This week's episode of the Jones Report is presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for the best financial planning around with O'Connor Advisory Group's own Brian O'Connor. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Jones Sports. I'm Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Zach Fisher covering Iowa politics. The Iowa caucus is coming up. I have plenty to discuss with him. He's also my KU brethren, so we'll uh, get his thoughts and everything going on in the Big 12 and football and basketball, some NFL conversation. Fish will join us coming up in just a bit. We will also take a look around the National Football League as we are just about to enter the month of December. What does the run to the playoffs look like? We will break it down in a matter of moments. Also, Conference Championship Week. The Big 12 Championship game will have our Big 12 breakdown with a look ahead to that title game as well as the rest of the conference title games. Break down the college football playoff uh, scenarios and the craziness that could ensue and Texas's path to the playoff, including their matchup with Oklahoma State. We'll get into that coming up later. We'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well in just a little while from right now. Uh, so don't miss out on that. Thomas Bridges here with me as always. Tom's going to be making the trip up to Arlington this weekend where we will be for the Big 12 championship game. Tom, uh, how you feeling about Saturday here? Uh, who would have thought after that South Alabama game that we'd be talking about Oklahoma State one win away from a Big 12 title and a New Year's Six Bowl? But here we are. Yeah, definitely not me. I was a doubter, and and this weekend I'm still a doubter. I think that OSU has a chance to do something special and play spoiler, and I know the rest of the so-called hateful eight are behind the orange power this weekend. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, you know, the spread is high. OSU is not pro- projected to win. Um, my expectations the last time OSU was in the Big 12 championship were really high, and I came away heartbroken. This time, ex- expectations for me, what I'm going into the game with, not very high. But if they can come out with the win, um, then I think we can officially change the name of Texas Live to Oklahoma State Live, at least for a night. For a night, anyway. Uh, I think the Rangers, after that World Series, kind of, you know, put their name on that place uh, for forever. But, Tom, I got to tell you, and we'll dive into this more coming up later, but the way I feel for Oklahoma State going into this weekend, they could play with nothing to lose, right? I mean, you have a Texas team that everything to play for, trying to get into the college football playoff, trying to prove that they're back and all this and a Big 12 title before they exit and everything. Oklahoma State, if you lose, you're going to the Alamo Bowl. You weren't supposed to be here anyway. Uh, I mean, you already beat Oklahoma. I feel like all the pressure on Saturday is about about Texas. And if if you're Texas, that is a uh, not the, the best of situations to go up against a team that has nothing to lose, essentially, where they can throw everything out there. Like, that. that is – 
that's not an ideal situation for the opponent you'd be facing this week. No, yeah, you're right. And Texas has had better players. And, you know, you look at their record over the past 12 seasons against Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy is 9-3 and against Texas. Granted, probably the worst decade of Texas football in a while, but it is what it is. Mike Gundy doesn't have the uh, the weird inferiority complex that he usually does when he plays OU. He knows he can beat Texas. He's done it nine out of 12 times in the last 12 years. Uh, won the last two. And is however many games ahead when they play even in Austin. Uh, Texas didn't fare so well at a neutral site game uh, earlier this year, and I hope they don't fare well on Saturday. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'll say this, too. The atmosphere going to be incredible. Sold-out crowd there at at t Stadium this weekend. We know that when you get Texas involved in a game in the Metroplex, I mean, you're, you're likely going to sell out anyway. But all the stuff that the Big 12 has – cooked up for this with the events around it and you got Nelly Nelly doing the halftime show that was that was my favorite rapper growing up so I'm at least gonna get something out of this I mean even if you're down 28 three at halftime you'll stick around for Nelly uh, absolutely I mean it, it's gonna be a show uh, I'm very intrigued credit to the big 12 for as much as this conference has been a mess in deciding the tiebreaker scenarios and all that I think they're going to put together a good show for for Saturday and, and all that should be around this title game. Should be a great time and uh, looking forward to seeing it all firsthand and, and everything. Now, I do have one message, Tom, for the Oklahoma State fans out there. It's no secret both these teams are orange teams. The ugly burn orange for Texas. America's brightest orange for Oklahoma State. But if, if, if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, I, I would encourage, like, Stand out a little bit. I, I think OSU fans this week, don't mix yourselves in with those UT fans. Wear black and and wear it proudly. Like black looks tough too. Like I, that's a that's what I like to see the Oklahoma State fans try to stand out. I know they're going to be outnumbered, but make your presence known. Bring the paddles and everything, and and wear black. That's what I would do. It'll be interesting to see what uniform Oklahoma State rolls out. I, I think there's a good chance they are the visitors. <clears throat> so I think there's a good chance that they roll out the uh, 1988 throwback uniforms, the white ones with the throwback Oklahoma State on the helmet. I think I think that's a if I had to, you know, if you're a fashioner, a fashionista and you want to look at the uh, unis, that's my pick for OSU this weekend. So I think they'll go. You know, all white throwback 88s. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the stadium looks split. It's going to be hard to tell. Yeah. I think it'll, I think it'll, it's going to be the most orange ever. Last I can't year. remember being, I can't remember being at a game that wasn't, I mean, even OSU Texas games that I've been to in Austin and, and in Stillwater. I can't even remember it being like so much burnt orange or so much America's brightest orange. So it's, it's going to look with this, you know, the stadium last time I went was obviously Baylor and it was very clearly split, but I can't, it, it'll be odd if it, if it's all oranged out. Last year when I went, 
it was the TCU Kansas State game, and I'd never seen purple. purple in my life. Um, and you literally couldn't tell the K State from TCU fans apart because it's it's similar shades of purple too. Um, so that was uh, I think there was more K State fans there, but I don't say that confidently. Uh, looking back, K State travels well though. Yeah, it, and it was a heck of a game going overtime and everything, and. TCU still got to go to the playoffs despite the loss. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Expecting a lot of, you know, great time uh, this weekend there in Arlington. But nonetheless, uh, we'll get back to the Big 12 title game coming up later, break down the game and keys to victory and all that in a bit. But first, Tom, let's uh, begin uh, with a look around the National Football League as we do each and every week and uh, with some of the top storylines around the NFL. And I got to begin with the news that came out today that Aaron Rodgers is entering his 21-day window to return to the practice field uh, after tearing his Achilles week one. He has made this miraculous return, and he expects to play this season. They're targeting week 16 for that return, which would give the Jets their quarterback back uh, with still a shot potentially to make the postseason. Oh, my Lord. Who, who saw this coming, that Aaron Rodgers potentially could still be getting the Jets in the playoffs at this point? I mean, it, this is this came out of nowhere. I mean, it's pretty incredible to think about. I don't think it's the smartest move. He's not young. If the Jets don't have a chance at the playoffs or it's not looking good, if I was him, I wouldn't rush it back. Um I'm happy for him. Yeah, that's sure. And and I'd be happy for my fantasy team, uh, at least if I make the fantasy playoffs, which I'm on the borderline of. <clears throat> so that would be cool. But I just don't know if it would be, you know, worth it. Could he get back and even have the chance to lead the Jets to the playoffs? I'm sure the chance of re-injury is probably pretty high. And if he injures it again, I mean – He's what? Is he is he 39? Is he 40? Oh, he's 40, yeah. He's a man. Um and you know, he can you gotta think about the rest of your life. He's got, you know, let's say another probably 40 years at least. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of years left to go back in the dark room. And I mean, he might not be if he re-injures it though, like you gotta look at the rest of your life walking around. He doesn't have kids or anything. Right. Um, so, you know, you got to wonder where his mind's at if he's I mean, trying he doesn't, to. Doesn't have family either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't. Yeah. So you got to you got to think of where is his head at? Is well, he trying to prove a point or well, I mean, he's still getting paid. Here's another idea that I was, I was we mentioned the playoff picture. They're at four and seven right now, Tom. And let's say that he's out for a couple more weeks and, you know, he makes his return, whatever it may be. They play the Falcons this upcoming week, the Texans after that, and the Dolphins after that. They could lose all three of those games. If he comes back, let's say, for the Commanders game on Christmas Eve, why even bring him back if you're 4-10? and 10? What's the point? Like You might if- as well keep losing and get a better draft pick. And, and keep him healthy. If they're in playoff contention, I would understand. Um, but if they're not going to be, then why put him out there if they're already out of it? I mean, I, I respect him as a competitor of of trying this, but 
Um, I, I, I would still be surprised if he plays this year with them not being in contention. I mean, yeah, I think they're going to have to – the Tim Boyle-led Jets are going to have to win the next three games for him to have a realistic, like, let's make a run at this. And even then, he he literally has played, what, maybe six plays over the stretch of almost, what, a year and a half, if you think about it. Right. I mean, the Packers lost in what they – the Packers make the playoffs last year. Oh, they missed it by a game. So he he the last real game he's played a full game was January of this we, year. Yeah. So he hasn't really played in almost a full year. Right. So how you know, I'm sure he's keeping up on nutrition and health and fitness as much as he can, but he hasn't he's not a game ready shape. I mean, that's what the 21-day practice window, I guess, is for. But, I mean, if he if he was to go out, think about this. If he was to go out and re-injure that ACL, or not ACL, the Achilles, sorry. If he was to go out and re-injure it or something like that was to happen, that's a, that's pretty much career ender. It's done. Yeah. At his age. So, I mean, playing with fire a little bit in my mind. Yeah, just just a bit. And, unless he just wants to go out and say, fuck it. If it tears, it tears. I'll cut it off. I, you know? Yeah. It's it's something. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, I, I, I Selfishly, I do want to see him out there, but I don't want to see him, you know, put himself at risk if it doesn't mean anything. Right, yeah, that would be, I mean, what a way to end a career to, you know, it would be like it would be, you know, come out. He comes out after going off the bench behind Brett Favre with a bang, has a Hall of Fame career, and then goes out with a whimper with an injury in a game that didn't mean anything. Wouldn't, wouldn't really like that. Right. Yeah, I, I I would hate to see it work out that way, but uh, we'll see. Meanwhile, his former team, the Packers, Tom, they looked really good last week against the Lions. Jordan Love played probably the best game of his career, and now they take on the Kansas City Chiefs at home. The Chiefs aren't playing so hot. Tom, um, I could see a world where the Packers upset the Chiefs, and at 6-6, six and six, all of a sudden the Packers are back in playoff contention here. I don't think that's a crazy idea. If If they play like they did Thursday, they would beat the Chiefs. If they duplicate that game again, they win. I don't know if they can do that two weeks in a row, though. They get they get superpowers. They get Bart Lombardi uh, superpowers on Thanksgiving. So, uh, and and the Lions get negative. Right, the Lions are or, or uh, the 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 team that faces the Monstars. You know, um, they're they're Michael Jordan without the secret stuff uh, on Thanksgiving. They are the Packers' antithesis. Uh, on Thanksgiving and the Packers, you know, are the Packers on Thanksgiving. It was, it's like, it's meant to be, but you know, what's funny, Jones, we said this last week, well, we'd be shocked if the Packers came out and beat on the lions. No. Cause we know what the Packers Thanksgiving team looks like. And we know what the Thanksgiving lines look like. If they go out and beat, where's the, it's a game at Lambeau or is it in? It is at Lambeau. It's in prime time, Sunday night football. 
Oh man, that's a great one. Um, Atmosphere is going to be incredible. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not. What's the What's the line? Do you know? KC's favored by six, and this is a team that does not score in the second half as of late. I mean, could be a hell of a story. I'm not. I wouldn't put money on that game. <laughs> you know, I'm staying away from it. You know, um, I would I would put money on Green Bay as like a as a bet of sorts to just try to capitalize on the money line the way it is, not like invest a ton of money, but try to you know take a flyer. That's the type of bet I'd make is this. On this. Yeah, like a twenty dollar bet on the Packers money line. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting. I could, I could see, I could see it. You know, I mean, it's not somehow the realm of possibility. I think that uh, the Packers have a better chance at beating the Chiefs than I think Oklahoma State has a chance at beating Texas. I so, put that in perspective. Um, I think the problem with the Chiefs right now, Tom, like when you look at that offense, they are missing the adult in the room, Eric Bieniemy. I think that offense. Like, no one – there's not somebody there to kind of wrangle things together and keep that team in check. And, like, you see what enemy's doing with Washington, doing a great job as their OC on a terrible team and how well Sam Howell's played. I think they miss enemy bad right now. I think that's the missing piece of this Kansas City Chiefs team and a big part of the reason why they've had these struggles offensively. Like, they're um, – I mean, last year, they didn't have a great receiving court last year either. And they won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl and they played through it and, you know, game planned around it. I, I think that they're missing that adult in the room and Eric Bieniemy that uh, Mahomes and company are kind of just, you know, doing their lollygagging shit and, and they don't have somebody like Bieniemy to keep them in check. I, you know, I agree. And I know there was, you know, talk of Mahomes didn't like Eric and, there was just that kind of tension in the room, but maybe that was needed. I mean, maybe he was like the strict mom, you right. know, it was like, all right, cut the shit. And, and everyone's he, like, you're no fun. You and he no came fun in right away that. to Washington and did that again. And everybody's like, this guy is a, a drill sergeant. This guy's awful. And, and it worked. I mean, shit. I mean, yeah, maybe if I had the money, I'd probably pay him to come, you know, help me clean my shit up in my life. Uh, if it's, you know, <laughs> it's working like, Hey, you some bitch, you didn't work out today. Get no, you're not sitting down on the couch. Get your fucking ass out there and start running. You know, like maybe he's, maybe he's like the no fun parent that you need in your life, you know? And, and that's what you said. Kansas city seems like they're missing it. Like they're, they're like the kid in school that doesn't have to study and gets pretty good grades. Um, but then that person, le the, the, you know, the strict mom stays on them to get good grades. And then that person leaves and it's like, okay, well, they're still pretty smart kid and they're doing all right, but definitely not living up to the potential. They're definitely not as good as they could be. Um, so it'll be interesting to see down the line how the Chiefs perform. And, and, and really with the Ravens looking as good as they are, I mean, it's, you want to talk about the AFC now that we're talking about it, uh, that race for the one seed, I mean, it's, it's looking like Ravens and then Chiefs. So the AFC is going to run through Baltimore, it seems like. 
So the Ravens are on a bye this week. If the Chiefs, Dolphins, and Jags all win, then you're going to have a four-way tie for the top seed in the AFC after this upcoming week. And I almost need to read that title because to think that the fucking Jags have a four-way tie up there, you imagine the Jag, the AFC championship running through Jacksonville? And to think about it, too, if we're talking about the fight for home field and all that, the Jags probably have, going through the AFC South and that shithole, the easiest path. They very well could end up as the one seed just based on how the schedule plays out. Oh, man. Can you, you imagine? I mean, I'd like to see Miami go to Jacksonville. I'd like to see what the – I mean, that would be like a Miami home game, I'm sure of it. I mean, if you look at those those four teams, let's break it down this way. I think the Chiefs have their problems, but – they're the Chiefs. They know how to win in January, so I'm not I'm not too concerned yet. Um, the Ravens still have to play through some stuff with Mark Andrews, although without Mark Andrews, although this past week they looked really good with Isaiah Likely filling in. I do think the Dolphins are frauds. They lose to good teams and beat bad teams bad. And then the Jags is kind of the unknown. They got off to a rough start, but they played a lot football, a lot better football as of late. Um, there, there is no clear, perfect team among those four, but I can tell you that the Dolphins are the worst of those four. Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins are frauds, kind of like the Bills. We called them out as frauds, and it's weird that, you you know, we talk about that. We talked about how much the Bills are frauds, and that I did see something this week that if Sean McDermott was to get fired, he would have the highest winning percentage of any coach ever to get fired. Oh, he'd get another uh, job pretty quick. Oh, I mean, absolutely, he would. He would be. He wouldn't last a day before someone would, you know, slob on his knob and give him however much he wanted. Um, you know, as graphic as that may sound, and you know, but think about this: we talk about the Jags and how just awestruck Bills before Sean McDermott, really for the entirety of our lives, because I can't remember the '96 Super Bowl. Um, the Bills have been dog shit. They've they're maybe not as dog shit as the Browns, but they were on that. They were in the lowest tier, but maybe the the highest of the lowest tier, I guess you could say. Sure. The Jags, for as long as we've known them, outside maybe one or two years when they had Maurice Jones Drew, and then what, like twenty what twenty fourteen, when they made that run to the AFC Championship game. Was that 2014? Yeah. Something like that. Outside of Duval County's fine two seasons, they've been dog shit. Is this kind of like a, a, you know, one team dies, another's reborn? Is this like the, the uh, what do you call it, like the Hinduism, uh, <laughs> the Hinduism reincarnation? Yes. Or the, I guess the Buddhism, Buddhism reincarnation, one team dies, another starts their life. Is, is the Trevor Lawrence Jags in three years going to be a problem? I think they're a problem right now. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Um, I'll say this, uh, kind of wrapping up in the AFC, then we uh, and then I got a couple more things I want to get to, actually, uh, on this topic anyway. Um, Tom, I, I still think 
the Chiefs, they would be the team I'd put my money on. I think they have stuff to work through, but they've done this before. I mean, they are the defending Super Bowl champs and everything. They they would be who I'd put my money on. But where if Baltimore had Mark Andrews, I would be all in on Baltimore. I would say that's the team. They look complete. But, I mean, I, I'm afraid that at some point it's just going to bite that Baltimore Ravens team in the ass not having Mark Andrews. That's why I can't completely go in all in on Baltimore here. I mean, yeah, and, and you want to talk about, like, the two top teams in the AFC, which I think, I think for the most part is pretty clear in a way in, in terms of who, like, there's four teams you mentioned, but there's really a top two and a bottom two. They're all pretty good, but it's Ravens Chiefs at the top. And then it's Miami and the Jags. Um, look at the similarities between the Ravens and the Chiefs. Good quarterbacks that can, you know, make plays with their feet. Um, and they can throw some pretty crazy passes. You have two Hall of Fame tight ends, you know, one on each team. And then your receivers are more or less dog shit. And then and then you have a, a running back group. You have, you know, you have pretty much three, two or three solid running backs. Nothing that's gonna win you the game. And then you both but, have great defenses. Ex- yeah. I mean and you both have Hall of Fame up, and you both have Hall of Fame head coaches too. I mean, they're very I mean, you could call the Chiefs Baltimore West, or you could call the Ravens. Kansas City East, really? Yeah, like, I think the Ravens are the better team on paper, but... Now you take away Mark Andrews, and it's pretty even. Right, but winning in January isn't always about what's on paper either. I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The Eagles were the better team than the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl last year on paper. But Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid had something to say about that, you know? I mean, yeah. If you want to talk about the playoffs, I, then I have to give the Chiefs the upper leg. That's just what it is. And the Ravens are known, like, what, two years ago, the Ravens were the top dog, I'm coming to fuck your bitch type team, oh, and, they shit, and they shit the bed. Right. Is Lamar going to play the last five games of the year this year? He hasn't the last two seasons. Yeah, is he? Yeah, is he? He's just inconsistent. I mean, you could, you could look, and I would love to almost do this on paper. I'm taking Mahomes over Lamar. The running back group is very interesting. That was probably even. I think that's even across Pacheco, Justice Hill, you know, like who's, you know, the UDFA rookie for Baltimore looks fantastic lately. Yeah. And then you look at the receivers. Odell is starting to come out and play decent. Yeah. Um, The Rasheed, the Rasheed Rice, the Rasheed Rice kid for Kansas City is playing well. Yeah. I, I like Zay Flowers more. Yeah, okay, fair, fair, that's fair. Um, you're taking Travis Kelsey over Mark Andrews, but that's not a that's not even knock on Mark Andrews. Uh right. he's is even as an OU guy, he's maybe my second favorite tight end in the league behind Travis Kelsey, and I just like Travis Kelsey swag. Yeah. But I like the I like the Ravens defense more than I do the Chiefs, but the Chiefs yeah, I think improved defense from what they've had in the past. Yeah, yeah. I think the defense is what it really gets down to. And and I'd like to see the spread, 
you know, if they if it did come down to AFC Championship game, I'd like to see what the spread would be. I would say it would be equal on both sides. Roquan, if it was a Kansas City Kansas City home game versus Baltimore home game, yeah. I'm taking Kansas City fans over Baltimore fans though. Um, Roquan Smith, I mean, he's probably the best defensive player in the league, not named Aaron Donald right now. Yeah, and you have Patrick Queen. And Queen's playing the best ball of his career right now, too. So, I mean, looks good. I mean, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Let me ask you one more question on the AFC, and then we'll move on to the, the NFC side. The Broncos are hot right now. They've won five in a row. They're Don't let Jose hear you say that. Yeah, yeah, we're not letting Jose in on this. Um, they're six and five, five in a row. Russ is playing some really good football. They've beaten some good teams in the process, too. It started with Kansas City. Um, Tom, I'll say this. Like, it's a good story, and I think they're going to find their way in the playoffs right now. But I'm not betting anything on Denver going anywhere with it. I think they're an, an improved team, and Sean Payton, credit to him and Russ for figuring some stuff out. But I, I still need to see more before I completely buy in, as this is, this is not a contending team. This is a good team. It's a good team. I think, you know, they've, they've been playing well. Uh, you know, they started, what, one and one and five? Yeah. I, I think for this team, they are um, – I think they're very bipolar. I think it could go back to shit as quick as it went from shit. Like, yeah. they went they, – they started at, you know, the expectation from last season wasn't super high. But let's say they they started at fifty miles an hour and went immediately back to zero, and then they went zero to a hundred. I think they could go back from zero to twenty real quick. I can see that. And then, I mean, let's see how they do down the stretch. What they got to play Kansas City again, I believe. They got to play at Kansas City again, don't they? Um. Yeah, and they. I mean, heck, they play at Houston this week. That's not easy. I mean, Stroud. Um, actually, they already finished their series with the Chiefs. They lost the Chiefs earlier in the year on Thursday night football. And then they won for the first time in forever. Yeah, but they got, so, they got the Texans next, Chargers, Lions, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. That's pretty manageable, actually, down the stretch. Yeah, I think you could go at least 500, if not better, there. Yeah. You know, they might sneak in the wild card, and, and in that case – if they were if they were the seventh seed and Kansas City ended up being the two. Oh wow. Man, I'd love to see that. Yeah. I think me and Jose, speaking of Jose, people listening in there are like, who the fuck is Jose? Jose is our he's our friend that, that is a he's been on, yeah. he's a huge Broncos fan. I do think me and Jose even made a bet on um the them making the playoffs a twenty dollar bet. So they might. Um so for saving my twenty dollars, here's hoping that they don't, but I can't discredit them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh let's go to the NFC side now. Maybe the game of the year. Niners Eagles coming up uh on Sunday afternoon. And man, the Eagles you had that big win against the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago on the road. Now you got this test against the Niners here. The Niners, I mean, they just wall up the Seahawks 
last Thursday night. Uh, the game is in Philly. And, Tom, you know, I thought la- a couple weeks ago it was a big deal for the Eagles to go into Kansas City and beat that Chiefs team that they played with a chip on their shoulder, something to prove to get that rematch from the Super Bowl and all that. And, you know, Jason Kelsey had never beat Travis and and everything that was with that, right? I feel like that same storyline kind of flips on the Eagles this time. I think the Niners are going to come in with an edge, with a chip on their shoulder, something to prove, trying to look for that road win, stick it to the team that they lost to in the NFC Championship game here. I, I expect the Niners to come in hot in this one. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think this is the I think this is the best chance for this Eagles team to lose over the rest of the course of the season. You know, if I was going to bet on a team to beat the Eagles in the regular season, then, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't feel bad about putting $50 down on a 49ers money line. The money's coming in on San Fran, too. They're a three-point favorite right now on the road. I mean, I I think you're right, though. It's something different about this uh, this 49ers team. You know, the I, I'm seeing right now, like, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, all the fantasy people are saying, like, bet the, bet the house that they're going to have a pretty good game. Well, um, and I think there's something to be said, too, Tom, about the Niners playing through adversity. They went through that three-game losing streak. They didn't look very good. Brock Purdy struggled. <laughs> and they came out on the other side of it. Debo Samuel, having his worst season he had in years, now he's injured. football. Brock, you know, went through his slump, and he's playing better football. McCaffrey's healthy and everything. Like, I, I think you got to give him credit. Like, there, there's there's something to be said about what they did to overcome their struggles, which not everybody can can handle. Right, and I think they have enough veterans on that team to probably, and I'd, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in the locker room and just in practice on maybe what was said to Brock Purdy, you know, overcoming adversity and still playing maybe not MVP level football, sure. But to, to you know, I, I would say if Patrick Mahomes is the 10, 10 out of 10 and a game manager quarterback, uh, it would be like a five out of five or five out of 10. I would probably put Brock Purdy's level of play at like a six and a half. I think he's a little bit better than the game manager, but he's so young still that uh, I'd like to see what they was said to him, if anything, or if they just let it ride, if they just said, you know what, we believed in you for the time that we drafted you, even though you were <laughs> the last pick in the draft. Um, but when he was brought in and given the job, I, I wonder what was really said to him, um, uh, because he's as much as I hate Brock Purdy, you know, how I feel about Brock Purdy, um, just being an Iowa state guy and OSU and all that, uh, got to credit him for just really kind of just sticking in there. I mean, he's never he, hard to shake. Yeah. He's playing, he's playing like pro bowl quarterback right now. Um, I mean, if you looked at the best quarterbacks in the NFC, he'd probably be in the top three or four at the moment. I mean, question for you here. Okay. Because here's who I put him on the level with. Give Sam Howell the talent that Brock Purdy has. Are they the same? They might be. That's who I think he's like. I think he's a Sam Howell of the West. Yeah, maybe so. 
Sam Howell's looking really good. And his OC, Eric Bieniemy, has been a nice fit for him in that offense. So, yeah. One more thing on the NFL note, then we'll move on and get to our Big 12 breakdown. Tonight, Seahawks, Cowboys, Thursday night football. Uh, twofold on this, Tom. First off, Cowboys, 8-3. and three. They've looked fantastic as of late. They've won 13 straight games at home, um, which is the second longest in franchise history. Dak is looking really good. That defense is clicking. Um, Cowboys look legit. The Seahawks, meanwhile, they've lost two in a row. They're not playing good football right now. Who'd they lose to last week? The or the week before? Uh, the, the the Rams, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Seahawks aren't looking so hot these days. <laughs> and they're expecting a loss on a Thursday to the Cowboys. In fact, um, this one's supposed to be so much of a bloodbath. You can get a ticket right now for 16 bucks. Are uh, you go? Oh, you have to call it. I forget. You should do it live. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, uh, just put a camera on me in, in the stadium. Now. Yeah. You're just yelling the whole time. People are looking at you like, hey, shut up. Right. Somebody go go, go fill up the boot. You know, go to the concession stand. Go get me a beer. Fill Can you boot. imagine that? I, I mean, uh, obviously, you'd be well-received in Seattle, but. Yeah, it would uh, it would be it would be really funny to see you in Dallas saying uh, uh, when we drink the Seahawks score. Right. And just <laughs> you, you wouldn't get a drink. <laughs> oh, they didn't stop selling me alcohol. What would I I'd have to stock up by the third quarter on alcohol, you know, for the fourth. Um, yeah. Can you? Yeah. Can, they'd have to as much as you drink. Um, what was it? Was it the Rams game? You were pretty good. Pretty oh, cooked. I, I, was, I was toasted. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you had been cut off by the first quarter. Yeah. So buy or sell, Tom, on the uh the Seahawks and in the Cowboys. Uh I'm I like this Cowboys team. I think they're clearly the third best team in the NFC. Uh I wouldn't rule out them going to the NFC championship. I'm selling the Seahawks right now. I, I think that this thing is falling apart fast and they're like they're 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 looking at some wholesale changes, I think, for 2024. Like I think you're going to have maybe a new OC, new DC, new quarterback. Um, oh, really? I think these are two teams going two completely different directions right now. You don't think Geno lasts to the next season? You think they trade or figure something else out? Uh, I he's basically on a only only this year's guaranteed on his contract. They can cut him loose for nothing next year. They could oh, wow. back, but I don't expect him to be the long term solution. Like I could see them go getting you know, a young quarterback or another veteran to compete with him or something like, but yeah. The, I mean, the if they were to, if play. they were to shit the bed now, I wonder if they could be in play for Jalen Daniels. Yeah, they could be for him, Michael Penix. Um, oh, Penix would be a great story, honestly. And NCL. That would be, that would be kind of cool. Um, do you think who goes first here? And I know we don't have a whole, probably a whole lot of see Well, Sure, we do have some Seahawks listeners. I've been meaning to ask you about Spotify Wrapped um, on the podcast end of things and how we end up doing. But um, who goes first? To, and I have all answered this after you answer this. Who who leaves the team first? Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? Uh, Tyler Lockett because he's older. Yeah, man. 
would that not be a heartbreaker for them? Kind of like when Bobby Wagner eventually left and then obviously came back. But I think for him to stay long-term, he's going to have to take a pay cut. Lock it. I think he, yeah. he can stay if he wants to, but he can't stay for the contract he's making right now. I figured they would maybe see about trying to get some draft capital out of DK. Yeah. Um, I don't I mean, think he hasn't had a great season. No, but he's still leading their team in receiving. So I would imagine he would command at least a mid first round pick um, and maybe a third. What about the Dallas side of things? Uh, are you buying the Cowboys temp? Uh well, you know, I as as so this game this week is like as an OSU fan, this is like my Red River shootout. <laughs> I think I hate the 49ers more than I hate the Seahawks, but you know how much I hate Dallas. Everybody that listens to this show more than once knows how much I hate Dallas Cowboys. However, at the beginning of the season, who did I pick? I said Cowboys Bill Super Bowl. And if I can be at least fifty percent right. Then I'll feel decent. I'm. I have to buy. Okay. Dak has been playing, and I don't like Dak either. But Dak has <laughs> been playing. Dak's been playing really well. Maybe some of the best football of his career. Career, to be honest. You see, one of the only things I like about the Cowboys is Dak. Really, see, Dak. He just, and maybe because he's like the head, almost the head of the snake. He's really like the throat of the snake. The real head I'd like to chop off is Jerry Jones' old bitch ass. I cannot stand Jerry Jones at all. And if he's there, if I was to meet Jerry Jones at the Big 12 championship game, and he was like, hey, do you want a picture? I'd probably be like, fuck no. Man, uh, you see what Jerry said about Dolly Parton the other day? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming I would I would like to see Dolly's political views and Jared Jones' political views and see how that matches up. What he did said, he say? He said, Dolly Parton and turkey legs. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, he's just an old he's an old wrinkly ball sack human. Man, how about Dolly though? Wasn't that a sight? Oh, I mean, she is she's the way she's aging and how she's gonna end up being and rest in rest in peace. Betty White, but Dolly Parton's going to live almost forever, kind of like we thought Betty White might. I would, I would go out with Dolly Parton right now. I mean, let's just be honest. Would you, I mean, this show it's after dark type. We've we've gotten more risque over the years. I would hit Dolly Parton, one hundred and ten percent. Like, would you not? I'd have to. Not even. Well. I'd say the majority of it would be for the novelty of it. But here's the thing about Dolly Parton. I don't think Dolly Parton would bang anybody that would come out and actually say that she smashed them. Dolly Parton, you've never heard about a scandal with Dolly Parton. Like you've been married to the same man for like 50 plus years. I don't even know his name. I don't know it either. Yeah. Is his last name Parton? I don't know. What was Dolly Parton's maiden name? There's a lot we got to uncover on this. We're big Dolly Parton fans here. Absolutely. For more reasons than one. You've been to Dixie Stampede in Branson? Uh, I have not. I've seen it, though. But I've been to Nashville. I know you're a big Nash guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but I haven't, I haven't been to the Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, that is on my list to go to. I've been there, yeah. Uh, oh, you went to the Country Music Hall of Fame? 
Uh, I saw a private Luke Combs concert there. Oh, that's right, you lucky bastard. Is that where you was were you there at the same place when you met Kid Rock? Uh it was that same night. It was a uh mm. street actually. So no punk no ping pong table in the country music hall of fame. Yeah, uh, no. No, no. Um I'm trying to think. Did you go to the Grand Old Opry? Yeah, I've been to Grand Old Opry. Oh, see, I gotta I gotta go back to Nash. Maybe this summer. You gotta go to the Ryman Auditorium too. I need to do a lot more Nash than what I did. I I went the coolest thing I did was buy my mama's shirt at the Kid Rock bar and uh went to the Justin Timberlake bar and okay. I spent a lot of money on alcohol. Kid Rock's honky tonk, yeah. And uh, the music in there was so loud. It was loud for me and I'm a DJ. Yeah, I, I that's my favorite spot is Kid Rock's honky tonk. Um I love all Dean's too. Like I, I you and I need to go back to Nashville and and I'll give you, I want to go to the Barstool Bar, and I've I want to there go, too. That's a great because that that wasn't open when I went last when I was there for the Super Bowl. Um, I said should say during the Super Bowl, but that that was just about to open because you went to Nashville in not too long after I was there for Mig's birthday. Yeah, I went there in in June. Okay, so it, it it was that you were there on that Nashville bar and open or that uh Barstool bar and opening day, weren't you? Yeah, opening night, yeah. Because you met Alex Bennett was there and and Jordan Woodruff and uh, Will Compton, Billy Locks look alike. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that and uh, uh, yeah, I got we got to go and Garth Brooks bar. I think is open or should yeah, just open just soon. Open. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down to go to Nashville just to go to Garth Brooks. Yeah, and then uh, my buddies at Outkick uh, are there at Six and Peabody at that distillery, and they got a great setup too. So yeah, one of my one of my favorite bands, that guy that I brought to Tulsa, he plays there every time he goes to Nashville at Six and Peabody. It's an incredible spot. Yeah, is uh, it? See, I didn't get to go. I went to a hotel near there, but it was yeah. great. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to do. I mean, we're getting and- into. Obviously NBA season, but when we get to the slow season this summer, we ought to just make a trip to Nash. You know, we actually need to go before the end of the NHL season because the Predators, Ooh, the Preds are awesome. They they have live music in between every intermission. Yeah, yeah, I'm always entertained. When's that? I'm trying to think. What they? When's the season end? Regular season ends in April. I could be, I could be interested. In, yeah, uh, I could. I mean, I don't know how the Preds are doing so far, but I could be interested in a playoff Pred game. Yeah, and the weather will start to warm up and everything too. Yeah, and it'll be yeah, it'll be decent and not ball. I mean, I'm Nashville's probably not balls cold, but it won't be it won't be stupid hot like it's fixing to get for me and you in Texas. So. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Get the gang together. Get the game together. We're running Nashville back. My, I, I usually go to Nashville at least once a year. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and mark it down for April. We'll make it happen. Big 12 breakdown coming up next. Zach Fisher also said to stop by in a bit. Tom Fullery as well. Let's begin with our Big 12 breakdown this week. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 this week. And a more condensed version of the breakdown this week is we only have one game to talk about. The uh, Big 12 championship game between Texas and Oklahoma State. We will get to that in just a moment. But first, 
our hot takes that we begin with each and every week here on the show. Tom, I told you last week that my my hot take was that Texas was going to get screwed by the committee and that they were probably going to take Alabama over Texas if that were to happen. I'll, I'll even go a step further. I don't even think they're going to get the opportunity to get screwed by the committee, to be honest. Um, I think that, well, screw, Texas will still think they're screwed. Um, but I think what's going to happen is that you're going to see uh, this weekend. I'm just going to go ahead and lay all my picks out in the line right now. Uh-oh. Um, I think Georgia wins over Alabama. I think that we see Oregon beat Washington and Florida State beat Louisville and Michigan beat Iowa. And so Oregon gets in the playoff over Texas for that final spot. It might even jump all the way to three and move Florida State down to four. Uh, and Texas is going to be the first team out. Like, I, I would I would say I would rather have Texas in the playoff than Oregon. I think with the the win they had against Alabama, that non-conference win, that, that should mean something. But the committee already likes Oregon as is. It's been evident the entire time. And then if you beat an undefeated Washington team and avenge your one loss of the season, I just don't see there being a path for Texas if uh, if Florida State wins and and you know Georgia beats Alabama. I, that's that's my take this week that there's just no path to the playoff for Texas. I don't think I think Texas will beat Oklahoma State, but I think they're going to be left on the outside looking in. I'm going to do a bigger hot take. Okay, I'm going to go Georgia. Georgia will beat Alabama. Michigan will obviously beat Iowa. Oregon will beat Washington. Louisville beats the non-Jordan Travis FSU team. Oklahoma State game winner over Texas, and we get chaos. Ooh. Okay. So, let's play out that scenario then, Tom. Because it could happen. In your case... Georgia's in, Michigan's in, Oregon is in. Do you take and Texas is out? So do you go with Georgia or Ohio State getting the final spot in the playoff? Georgia's Bama or Ohio State. Well, I thought. Oh, well, no, no. Bama would have two losses then. Right, so they would be out. So it would be Ohio State. That could get in, and then who would be the next? I think that would be it. That would just be Ohio State or, or Florida State. And for, so Florida State losing, because the Ohio State-Michigan game was great, I think the voters would probably take Ohio State in at the four and be Georgia-Ohio State-Michigan versus Oregon. So, in your, so that is a hot take on your part because that is a very – slim door that would be open for Ohio State to make the playoff is that door you just presented. And but it could it could very well happen. Right. Like we know the history of Oklahoma State, Texas. You mentioned it earlier, Oklahoma State has nothing to lose. Texas has everything to lose. FSU doesn't have Jordan Travis, though Louisville did lose when they shouldn't have. Right. To Kentucky. Yeah, but that's so, not to say they could bounce. They couldn't bounce back and and win. Yeah, 
I think, you know. I'm team chaos. I'm all for chaos, too. In that case, Ohio State getting we, – we would project Ohio State in over Florida State in that case. Um, I think well, – Their one loss being Michigan and FSU having a Louisville loss that is not and, as good of a loss as Michigan. And the non-conference wins you would have in Ohio State – Ohio State beating Notre Dame. You'd have Florida State beating LSU. LSU. Florida. Oh, man. But it comes down to that four best teams argument, too. It's, you know, it, it this thing gets so complicated, Tom, because, you know, we're so used in our, our mind selection Sunday of college basketball. Everything's resume-based, right? Everything. Right. And we go to college football, and we were reminded by Bill Hancock, uh, Oklahoma State grad, by the way, um, of the playoff committee this week, he said, remember, the number one job of the committee is the four best teams. Not the four best resumes, but the four best teams. And if Florida State loses this week, then there is no path. There is no argument, none you could make. Like, I would sit here and say, yes, put Ohio State in. I would have no problem at all. Some of you might say, well, that's not fair for Florida State to go as long as they did and lose in the final game and they're out of the playoff, like, well, I mean, I mean that sucks. It sucks that the way sucks, it is. But the they same don't have case happened to Ohio State losing to Michigan last week, too. You know, it was a road it was loss. At, it was at Michigan, and they had a chance to win at the end. They lost by six. Right. I mean, I would like to see Georgia, Ohio State. I wouldn't. I mean, and, and if you want to take a little bias in the rankings that if Ohio State was to beat Georgia, and then to beat Michigan for the ship, oh, my. I mean, they almost beat Georgia last year in the semifinal. I mean, yeah, or Ohio State's still a good team. Right. I mean, if, if that game is at the shoe, ah, uh, you know, I wouldn't say Ohio State definitely wins, but I think it's as interesting. Right. And uh, you, have, you have potentially the outside of quarterbacks – you want to talk about the most electric or the best player in college football and Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. Um, and you have the uh, the other kid, uh, uh, Abuka. Abuka, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Those might be the top two receivers in football. I mean, that's, that's kind of going back to when LSU had Justin Jefferson and um, Jamar Chase. Yeah, I mean. Come on. I mean, I if, if you want to put two new receivers in the league after this year, if you want to say Jamar or, you know, the new Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, I wouldn't be opposed to saying that that's probably a good possibility. Now, let, let me bring up another case here as far as uh, for Texas and all, Tom. Let, let's say um, that Alabama beats Georgia, okay? Then – you know, do we have a situation where Alabama could jump Texas? Paul Feinbaum's already talking, saying that Alabama is more deserving than Florida State right now, um, as is. And if they beat number one Georgia, is there a way that they could jump Texas and get in? Can the committee say, look, we understand that game was in September, that Texas won by double digits, 
but we feel like Alabama's a better team right now. They're a different team than what they were. Like, I mean, the committee does make up their own rules, essentially. Um, yeah. If I, it is hard for me until I actually see it with my own eyes, a world where Alabama could be an SEC champion and not miss the playoff. Like, if they win, it's going to be awfully hard to keep them out, I think. I mean, yeah, I did see a Reddit post today about a uh, in a universe where there's not an SEC team in the playoff where if Alabama won, it could be Michigan, Oregon, Texas, Florida State. Right. What if that happens? I, I, I hate that for Florida State because I have no ill will against Florida State. I think they've always been on my list to go to like a game. Uh, I'm sure they beat OSU, and OSU did the Trail of Tears banner, and they beat OSU. I have no ill will against Florida State, and I think their pregame is one of the best. I hate that for them, though, because even if they win, you still have the bias of, well, your quarterback's hurt, you're going to get absolutely shit on in the playoff, and they kind of know that. I, but, I think I mean, I, if you would have told me Michigan was going to get beat by TCU last year, I might have been like, well, we're going to find out. I and think they did. So the best thing happen. that can happen, the best thing that can happen, sorry, Florida State, but the best thing that can happen this weekend is Louisville take care of business. And then we can figure out the four best teams from there. I don't think that Florida State is one of the four best teams in the country but they are one of the four most deserving. And and that's just a, a tough bill to swallow. I mean, and if they do end up beating Louisville, which Louisville, you know, really Louisville had no business losing to Kentucky last week. They literally shit the bed. And granted, was at Kentucky. They came back in the second half and just made me lose all faith in Louisville. See if they can bounce back. You know you're facing a Florida State team that is a Mike Norvell, great coach, um, and it sucks that Jordan Travis got hurt because if he doesn't get hurt, I think Florida State has a close to 50% chance to win that first game of the playoff and be in the national championship game. I think they could. Um, but without him, it just doesn't make – and this sucks. I hate to say it, but this is the real fucking world. Without Jordan Travis, it doesn't do well for the TV ratings. And if it comes down to that, they're going to get left out. Yeah. yeah. Texas would be better for TV ratings than Florida State would be if it came down to those two. I'm sorry. I hate to say that. I hate Texas. I don't have, like I said, don't have any ill will against Florida State. And that's just what it is. Tom, like this is the best year of parity. We've had in a long time. Oh, um, yeah. The 12-team playoff would have been awesome this year. I mean, we would our conversation this week, if we had a 12-team playoff, would be, is uh, is Texas going to lose? Uh, or is there going to be enough scenarios play out where Oklahoma slides into the playoffs? That would be our argument if we were in a 12-team scenario this year. Oh, um, over like an old Miss, yeah. Right, because Oklahoma would be the last team out right now. Um. And Ole Miss would probably be the first team in, or the last team in. Right, with, with, with Tulane having an automatic bid from the American. Right. Um, 
So that would that's what we'd be looking at in, in that case. With that said, with where we're at now, I think, Tom, realistically, teams capable of winning the national championship. I think Georgia can win it. I think Michigan can win it. I think Alabama can win it. I think Texas can win it. Oregon and Washington. All, what is that, six teams can win the national championship. I don't think Ohio State can. I think Ohio State's really good. But I don't think they're a championship team. And same with Florida State. I think Florida State is really good. But I don't think they're a championship team. But that's six teams right there, all capable of winning the national title. I, I would. The best thing that can happen is Florida State just go ahead and go out the pasture. Louisville take <laughs> the and let's get four championship caliber teams in the playoff. Yeah, you know this is this has been like the most controversial or like you say you can you can. I think parody and controversial here are pretty synonymous. Um, and I, but that makes it exciting. Like, look at the Big 12 race this year, one of the most controversial and also one of the most parody driven. After the Red River shootout, we obviously thought it would be OU Texas in the game. And look how that race broke out in the last final four games. It was amazing. Um, and I would say that even if OSU didn't make it. But here we have that same problem in the college football playoff, and it only hammers the nail further into the wood that there should be a 12-team playoff. I wonder who's going to get left out. And if I had to, if I was a betting man and it was legal here in Texas and you could bet on it, I'm probably putting Florida State out. But – Hot take this week. I've been right on a hot, uh, maybe one or two or three hot takes this year. Uh, my hot take this week, pretty, it's pretty, pretty hot. I wouldn't say it's boiling water at this point, uh, but I'd say if you stuck your hand in it, it would hurt. Um, OSU gets the dub. Al or Georgia wins. Oregon wins. Florida State loses to Louisville, and then we get absolute chaos for the fourth team in with no, no real way to judge who should be next. Yes. So, so your final four teams, Tom, uh, go over those again. Final four teams. Yes. I mean, the hot, the hot takes are shits and giggles. There's a real, uh, like a realistic one. And there's a one that's team chaos. Which one do you want? Give me your real final four pick. Real final four pick. Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, as much as I hate to say it, uh, Texas. Okay. And so you have Georgia's the one seed, Florida, or oh, Texas as the four seed meeting the Sugar Bowl, Michigan, Oregon as the two and three seeds meeting in the Rose Bowl. I have, right. I, I think it's, I think it goes chalk. Uh, I think that Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Oregon wins, Florida State and Texas both win, and that we see Georgia versus Florida State in the Sugar Bowl, Michigan versus Oregon in the Rose Bowl. Oregon jumps up to three with you know getting that win over Washington. And Tom in – what is the swan song for the Pac-12 and seeing that conference die? 
wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if they went out with a traditional Big Ten Pac-12 Rose Bowl for one last time? If we got that Michigan-Oregon matchup or Michigan-Washington matchup, either one. Michigan-Oregon matchup would be a must-watch. Like, if you had a if you had a Tinder date that night, you fucking cancel it. You tell her uh, you're coming over and we're watching the game. Yeah, one of the two, and we're not. This ain't watch. This ain't watch the semifinal and chill. This is like listen here. Don't even look at it. You I know, think like Oregon would be an all time game. Yeah, I do believe so. Uh, I I kind of want to see that. I don't like either team, uh, and I really don't like Michigan. And 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 reasons unsaid. I I. I don't hope I really hope Michigan does not make it out of the semifinal for a couple reasons, but <laughs> um God, it would be a great game. I know it would be a great game. I think that would be the best game out of the three games that will be played in the college football playoff. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Uh um, if, if Georgia shits the bed, if Alabama comes back converts a fourth and 31 and goes in to Atlanta and beats Brock Bowers in Georgia. Oh my God. I, I, what's the line? I haven't even looked at the line. What's the line there? Georgia by Georgia's seven. Six favorite six. Yeah. And they've won, they've won what? Like 26 in a row. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's kind of like betting on Christian McCaffrey, like to get a, a touchdown each game for as long as that lasted. Right. I think that game, I think that was at like 26 games or something crazy. Right. Um, if you're a betting man, you're, you're never betting against Georgia until they lose. Right. Right. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, the the Big Twelve title game this week, Texas and Oklahoma State. Let's let's talk about that here, Tom. Um, for me, it comes down to one thing: uh, if Texas can stop Ollie Gordon, if they can stop the run, they're going to win this game. I think with ease, if they can do that. I don't think they're necessarily going to do that, though. I expect this to be a competitive game. I do think Texas will pull it out and win, probably by seven or seven to ten, something like that. But uh, you know, the, Texas, I, I think, took a step in the right direction with how they performed against Texas Tech. I think they look like the team that we saw against Alabama, uh, you know, back in September here. Texas, to me, that that's going to be the key. If they can shut down Ollie Gordon, then this this could turn into a runaway potentially. But I, I expect Ollie to be have a good game. I think Ellinger worthy of injury. At, at the end of the day, I think there's too many weapons for – from Texas for OSU to be able to slow down here. Yeah, you know, the hot take is obviously there's no money on the line here. We make these hot takes every week to have fun with it, and there's no consequences if we're wrong. Other than somebody listening to be like, ha-ha, fuck you, go Texas. You know, and if that happens, come at me, bro. Um, realistically, if I was to really put money down on this, I think right now that line stands at 15 and a half for Texas. I think Oklahoma State covers. I think they cover. Realistically, if I'm betting, I don't think Oklahoma State wins. You have Jordan Winnington. You have 
the Sanders tight end kid. You have obviously Xavier Worthy, who is probably his last. If, if Texas doesn't go to the playoff for whatever reason, whether that be they lose or they get left out, I don't think Xavier Worthy plays the bowl game that's not a playoff game. Very well could be his last game as a college student athlete. Um, one of the better wide receivers we've seen come through. Um, you have you don't have Brooks, or um, that running back towards ACL, but you do have the Jaden Blue kid who has shown his speed against Tech. Uh, you also have Devondre Sweat, just won the Big Twelve Player Defensive Player of the Year. Should be, in my eyes, a first-round pick if he goes to the draft, which I believe he will. He's shown incredible athleticism. Texas, all the talent that they usually have is finally shown up. Sarkeesian gets left out of the Big 12 Coach of the Year, which I think is fucking hilarious. I think it should have really been too. It should have really been Neil Brown to win the Coach of the Year, not Mike Gundy. Stop, Neil Brown should have won the that. coach of no, the year. No, Neil Brown. We don't say anything positive about Neil Brown around here. He should have. I mean, Sark. Sark had the talent. He had the quarterback. They he had to bring in to the win talent the, and the quarterback. They were picked to win the. They were picked already to win the Big Twelve championship. Those West Virginia was. West Virginia was the pick to finish like. West Virginia was picked to finish like twelfth. Recruiting's half the job. Sark did the job. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could. You know, with a with a, yeah, with a with a fucking six pack and a set of big arms, I could get a blowjob every night too. You know, it'd be like it'd be like me in the shape I'm in going out and getting a ten at, at one of these San Antonio bars where it's hard to find down here. Big old woman, San Antonio. It's like me going out to a bar and getting a blowjob from a ten. I'd win the coach of the year. I mean, Sark's going out with a, a set of big muscles, good looking. And got a six pack, and and they're I mean, you they know people are congratulating him for that were there. Do what? They hadn't been able to do that the last few coaches that were there. Well, that's true, but I mean that's I don't know if that's more about the coach or the culture of the Texas program. Um, you know, Sark's an all right coach. I think you know I think he fits Texas program pretty well. Yeah, uh, but it's it's. I don't know, like him winning coach of the year, winning with what he's got, it's like, all right, great. You've got, you know, one of the better quarterbacks, a pretty good running back, one of the probably the best receiving core in the Big 12. Right. And a uh, uh, first-round picks on the D-line. Let's uh, let's move on now to uh, some coaching changes real quick. Um, let's start with the, uh, the Big 12 stuff. Jeff Levy. Uh, leaves OU as OC. He's headed to Mississippi State to be their next head coach. Uh, Seth Luttrell uh, is their new offensive coordinator, along with Joe John Finley. Uh, OU fans weren't too big of fans of Jeff Levy, and that offense, I know that statistically was fantastic, but you know went through a lot of peaks and valleys throughout the year. Seth Luttrell has an excellent track record. I thought he did a great job as head coach in North Texas. He, I thought he got screwed over, should have been fired there. If you're an OU fan, I think you got to be happy. I think you upgraded OCs here, Tom. And that's what you were asking for. They were asked for that all season. You know, I, I think for them, you got what you wanted. Hell, I, I wish 
I wish Oklahoma State, even though they're they're in in the in the Oklahoma or in the Big Twelve Championship, I wish they had the balls to fire their offense coordinator. But uh, they, you know, or I would I would have told Jeff Levy. I wish Jeff Levy would have come to Stillwater, huh. and they would have got rid of Dunn. I mean, listen. Oh, you thought they had it bad, but they really didn't have it as bad as Oklahoma State has it right now. I mean, and for Levy to turn that into a power five job in the SEC, he he hit the jackpot. Pretty good. Yeah. Hey, you know, Mississippi State, you know, they're not top tier. They're more like less, a little less than middle pack. But, I mean, you go get a head coaching job at Mississippi State, would you rather have the OC job with Bobby Petrino in Arkansas? I mean, oh, I'd rather be head coach Mississippi State. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Stark Vegas, Levy and Stark Vegas. Yeah, that's got to be a good time. Dana Al at Houston, he's fired. Um, they were disappointing this year. I know there wasn't high hopes, but uh, you know, they go a different direction. They got a ton of money at that program. Uh, I mean, the owner of the Rockets, uh, is their you know, uh, Board of Regents president, and he's now afraid. You know, afraid to throw down cash. Tom, I know you've been real high on Jeff Trailer, the uh, head coach at uh, UTSA. It sounds like he's the favorite to take that Houston job. Uh, I-, I think that'd be a great fit for them. You know what? Uh, I th- I thought that Texas A and M might go with Jeff Trailer. They go Elko instead. Uh, you know who I think would be really interesting, and you know, you you talk about, and this is very, this is funny, like a regional funny. You talk about trailer, you're three hours, you know, UTSA, San Antonio, three hours from Houston. Well, let's that's coming from the West. Well, look about coming from the East. What about Willie Fritz? What if the winner of that Conference USA title game or, or uh, American? Well, I guess it would be Tulane one, but yeah. Um, I guess you have Rhett Lashley at SMU. I mean. What if whoever comes out with the best record among those group of five teams gets the Houston job? If they just, yeah, they <laughs> they take the SMU coach and they tell Fritz and Trailer, I'm like, all right, whoever whoever comes out on top of this little uh, three man race gets the job. Right. I like Willie Fritz. I'm surprised Willie Fritz after last year with the year that Tulane had. Was it last year they took OU to the brink? Uh, it was year before last year. Year before USC. last year, they beat USC and K State. I mean, yeah, I mean, and Tulane looking fire. I mean, and what Tulane's got? When is that game? Is that is that a that's a Saturday game? Tulane Saturday And then okay, so the Maction is is Ma- oh Maction's on Saturday too, I guess. Um, the only conference championship game is Pac-12. Yeah. Mm, Shame. Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I, being here in San Antonio and seeing the, the, just the success trailers had, and, and there's even rumors trailer should have, that Baylor should have fired Aranda and went with trailer. Which yeah. wouldn't have been a bad pickup, I you know. Um, trailer's going to be a, a a power. I guess you get a power four coach now. He's it's sooner than later. It's gonna and I think Fritz, Fritz is on that same path. Day. 
Fritz is on that same path. I like Fritz over trailer in Houston more. Um, but either either way, I I almost hate to say that as obviously a Big Twelve guy because that's I think trailer and Fritz are both great coaches and now Mike Gundy no matter, what, no matter what, Houston's about to upgrade head coaches and they Absolutely. got a lot of money. You know, their facilities are getting better. Houston could turn into something uh, with the right head coach. They they got the resources to compete. We'll see if they can put it together. Um, we mentioned uh, that Dave Aranda was retained, uh, which, you know, I'm not surprised about, but I do think that's a mistake. Gus Malzahn got extended, um, and that's kind of the movement among Big 12 coaches. And then just kind of the, the big hires we've seen, A&M goes Elko, uh, they did have Mark Stoops for about three hours, and then they uh, left him on the tarmac. Um, I think <laughs> Elko's, real quick, Tom, on this one. Elko, I think, is a good hire, and he's got Texas A&M ties and everything, but I don't think that he's any better than Mark Stoops. I didn't get the outrage about Mark Stoops. I thought either one of them would have been just fine. It would have been better than Jimbo Fisher. Both of them have good track records. Yeah, I think so, too, and and – Obviously, Duke. I feel I feel a little. I I do and don't feel for Duke because they're good at basketball. But this, as soon as they have a little bit of football success, it would have been like taking Lance Leipold if Lance Leipold wasn't if he wasn't loyal to KU already. Like Duke had one good thing going for him in football, and it's like, ah, just getting back to the shithole. Now, the the team that everybody's kind of feeling for is Oregon State. Not only do they, yeah lose their conference and all their rivals and all that, but their own son, Jonathan Smith, who played quarterback with Ocho Cinco and TJ Hushmanzada, um, left them as their head coach after their best season in years to go take the Michigan State job. They're calling him a traitor and all this. And and you know, how could he leave us when we're down? Like, I'll be honest, I know it sucks, Oregon State. You don't deserve this, but Jonathan Smith didn't have a choice. He had to look out for his own interest and, you know, for his own coaching career. And this Michigan State job, just with the way the college football landscape's going, he had to look out for himself. And I don't blame him at all for taking this Michigan State job. I think Michigan State got a hell of a coach. Yeah, I think they got one of the better ones, too. And, um, you know, for Oregon State, do feel bad for them. But like you said, looking out for himself, the money was drying up. If if the realignment never really happens – or if Oregon State, let's say Oregon State, Washington State got on the boat and got into the Big 12, I don't think Brooks leaves. Yeah. I really don't. Like, if if he got – if Oregon State moves into a power – now power four, I guess, he doesn't he doesn't leave. Um, and it's unfortunate for him, and, and it looks like the mass exodus uh, is upon us for Oregon State. It looks like them and Washington State have scheduled all Mountain West Conference teams – outside a few non-con, and so now you, you put them on the level of Boise State. So Brooks got to get out. Uh, Jones, another one that came up today. What do you think about uh, uh, Colorado OC Sean Lewis going to San Diego State? Good for him, uh, especially after getting demoted by Dion and getting out of that circus. And You, know, you don't want to be a narcissist. They don't know about Travis Hunter's future, and and they're losing recruits left and right. Uh, good for Sean Lewis. Uh, I mean, he left a head coaching job at Kent State to take that job. So um, good for him as far as I'm concerned. Big 12 hoops, real quick. We won't spend much time on this at all. Um, Tom, 
I got to say, I'm a little surprised at how some of this stuff is shaking out already. Um, you know, KU lost to an ugly game last week to Marquette, had a nice bounce back win against Tennessee. They're six and one now. They didn't look so great against Eastern Illinois the other night. Um, but then you got Houston looking good at seven and oh, they're finally about to be tested, um, you know, with, you know, playing some tougher opponents coming up here with the big 12 big East battle coming up this weekend. Um, and, uh, they'll play Xavier here in the coming days. They play Texas A&M here in a couple of weeks. Baylor is shocking everybody They're They're, you know, they were projected to have a down year this year, you know, top 20, 25 team. They're ninth in the country at seven and oh, but the big surprises, BYU, who was picked to finish 13th in the Big 12, they keep on rolling. They had the win against San Diego State, which shocked everybody. Now they've cracked the top 20, 19th in the country. And OU, the year that Porter Moser was on the hot seat, a lot of question marks about him. And they go to the Ratty Children's Invitational. Uh, They'll just call it the Little Rascals Invitational. It's called Uh, the Ratty Children's? The Ratty Children's Invitational, yes. Ratty or Ratty? And they beat uh, Iowa and USC, and they're undefeated, and they're in the top 25 now, sitting at 25. Um, I, I got to say, Tom, uh, Big 12, overperforming. Already a very good league. We knew that going into this year. Now they look better than what we thought. I mean, yeah. I mean, so you're telling me that, that Bronny James transferred to, to OU is the thing? Uh, maybe so. I mean, he, he, he was, uh, he's not playing yet after that cardiac arrest, but oh, that's true. Um, but nice win for the Sooners. Yeah. I, I am legit surprised and, uh, to see the way that that's worked out the way it has. Is, so. is OU more shocking or is BYU? BYU has got to be more shocking because there was a little yeah. bit of expectations for them. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, um, listen, Mormons, Mormons, they don't drink, you know, they're going probably to bed early. They're, you know, to bed early, up early. What do you know? Maybe it's maybe that's a secret. Don't let your players go out to the strip. You might be on something. Uh, Big 12 Big East battle games this weekend. Uh, Thursday, Tech takes on Butler. Creighton takes on OSU. Friday, UConn takes on Kansas. Houston faces Xavier. St. John's faces West Virginia, Iowa State at DePaul on Friday. And then Saturday, we get TCU in Georgetown. Uh, Tom, some excellent games in this uh, Big 12 Big East battle. Uh, The Big East, probably the second best conference in America. One and two conferences here. That uh that KU UConn game uh, at Allen Fieldhouse, that's going to be the marquee game. But we got some great matchups here. I mean, yeah, you want I mean, Houston Xavier, solid. Obviously, Houston is is up there ranked. Uh, I'm I'm telling you what, uh, for and we talked. I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not, but you want to talk about Oklahoma State Creighton. Creighton, obviously, very good team. Um, Oklahoma State, not a very good team. That is tonight on ESPN two. Uh, it's in Stillwater. You know, if I think this is one of those games for Mike Boyden, then it's like, hey, you might want to pull this shit off uh, and beat a Creighton team. Uh, this would go a long way after your 3-3 three and three start. Uh, you lose to some shitty teams. 
this is one of those resume builders for Mike Boyton when you talk about getting to the big dance. Uh, I think this is it's very early, but for Mike Boyton, I think this is I don't want to call it a must win, but it's very close. Yeah. Um, by the way, in case people don't know, the guy that's been wanting that job for a decade, Doug Gottlieb, is living in Stillwater full time. He's working as an analyst on that staff. I wouldn't rule out the possibility if they don't turn around the ship soon, they could end up firing Boynton midseason and give Doug a shot as interim head coach and see if he's got what it takes. I yeah, that might be the opportunity Doug needs to get that job is to be the interim head coach and prove himself. And instead of instead of firing Boynton at the end of the season and then doing the coaching carousel, just give it to give it to Gottlieb and just say, well, if it doesn't work out, we're on the coaching carousel anyway. Right. Say like, hey, you've never coached before, but we're going to give you a shot right now. Let's see what you can do with it. And if you can't, then we're going to go elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the game that you fire Mike Boyton over is Creighton if you lose, but, uh, I mean, there's got to be some questions, and we've talked about this, too, on and off the show. I hate that for Mike Boyton because great human being, great person, great personality, great recruiter. If you're going to make a change, you do it before conference play. <sighs> yeah. So, now, if Mike Boyton goes out and beats Creighton, now, and I, I know this, and I hate this because this is in my eyes, Jones. Tell me what I want your opinion on this, too. You come from a guy. Boyden is offering two free tickets to the students that show up. You show up and do whatever. You have a chance to win Big 12 championship tickets. Is that – and it's really just trying to get students to show up for the game. Is that a poverty franchise move? I mean – it is to an extent, but I mean, I, I can't blame them for trying to do what they can. I mean, I can't blame them, but it's a little poverty. Yeah. Uh, that Kansas UConn game, uh, I got to tell you, I think UConn is so stacked, and Kansas looks a little off right now. Uh, not where they should be. I know Bill Self, uh, you know, is always on his team's ass when it comes to non conference play. It takes time to get them to figure it out, but. Uh, I do not feel very confident at all, even playing at home on Friday against UConn. We'll see how it works no, out. There, there's people already camping out for that game inside Allen Fieldhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've it's been going to be electric. Since Tuesday. Yeah, crazy. Um, we'll continue. Uh, Zach Fisher going to join us. and uh, So stick around for that. Don't go anywhere. Join us now. The program this week, please to welcome in from WHO 13 News in Des Moines, Iowa. My KU brethren, great friend, the one and only Zach Fisher is here with us, political reporter, uh, Kansas sports fan, and more. And he joins us right now. Zach, appreciate the time as always, man. How are we doing? Tyler, it's been good to see you, man. Uh, chatting a little bit before we get on air here. I was wondering how many Kansas references you were going to have in the introduction. And that was two and i find that appropriate i find that spot on uh doing well though man it's been good talking to you i can't remember goodness what was the last time we would have seen each other in person i can't really think of it it has been a minute been too long and <laughs> we were just talking before we went on air that is going to change because i am going to make my return to the state of iowa next summer for the nascar race up there yeah i'm ready you're staying at my place we're ready to go about 20 miles out from uh the, the speedway here. So, I mean, it's going to be exciting. I was 
actually at that announcement when they announced it at the uh, Iowa State House. They had the Bill France Cup. Tyler looked that name up. Not didn't look it up. He knew the name of it beforehand. I'm not a huge huge racing guy, so remind me of that. So <laughs> that was there. Saw it. they got Iowa corn branded on on an ass car. So uh, looking forward to it, man. It's going to convert me to a racing fan. I can't wait. I'm excited for you and to see firsthand and it should be a great time uh, next summer. Uh, Zach, you're a busy man these days uh, talking to potentially the next president of the United States uh, with all these different political interviews you're doing and getting ready for the Iowa caucuses here in just a few weeks from now. What has been things like for you in uh, your world the last few months, man? So uh, let's just throw this back to like a 2016 election uh, when I started really participating online. You're seeing stuff, whether it's Trump tweeting Hillary. And that was about spring of 2016. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Social media uh, with this election's going nuts. Uh, but that keep in mind, that was seven months before the election. This last year has been full of election stuff. Um even before the Iowa caucuses, which is first in the nation uh, for voter participation for for primaries uh, in the Democrat and Republican parties, for those who, who might not be aware of for, first here. So I guess normally what I'm trying to say is people don't really think about uh, the political schedule until right around springtime of an election year. But I've been working for this last year or so talking with the candidates and campaigns, and it's just been cool to see behind the scenes and, and how it all operates. And to put it you know, you, you kind of sell yourself a little short here, like the all the heavy hitters. If you are a contender that's running for president, you are talking to Zach Fisher. He is the uh, the Carl Cameron or Major Garrett, basically, of Des Moines, Iowa here. Uh, yeah. You know, everyone I've sat down with every candidate besides uh, Donald Trump, uh, former president. We asked him a couple of questions at Iowa State Fairgrounds, but that's. That's uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, Nikki Haley, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Those are some of the uh, top pollers right now. Then you got, you know, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson just uh, chatted with him today. North Dakota uh, Governor Doug Burgum, uh, he's been in studio uh, talking before uh, with us for for a segment, five minutes or so. So uh, I've wrapped around with each of them probably several times. Uh, Mike Pence before he dropped out, Tim Scott, just a couple others here too. I'll chat with them. So it's been... uh, Really unique to see how Iowans um, interact with the candidates that uh, come to our state. So tell me about that, of doing these interviews and around these candidates. What's been some of the things that have stood out to you? What what have you learned from being around this uh, political cycle here? Well, number one, so I'm originally from Des Moines, but I was never 18 here, so I never voted here, never participated in caucuses. Um, so it'll be really intriguing to just watch the whole process work. Uh, but like I've been talking about this whole last year and how busy it has been with candidates coming in for a weekend, doing events in different counties. Uh, it's been cool to see like Iowa voters like locked in, like asking really thorough questions to these candidates, really specific questions, not like backing down. If it's, you know, if it's a Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, who's been on the news, you know, for the last three years or so. I mean, it's it is cool to see people interact. So, number one, the one thing I'd say I learned is Iowans don't really back down when it comes to uh political candidates. Uh, that's really cool. First of the nation has been happening here for decades. So people are used to it and you can tell. Uh, and number two, it's uh, cool to see all these candidates going around to different counties and making sure that they're like talking to every single type of voter base there is, whether it's farmers, college students, 
inner city. I mean, they're hosting events everywhere and taking questions from everybody. And I just didn't quite get the full scope of what it takes to run for president of the United States. Cause it's a, it is a marathon from a year ago, but they're sprinting everywhere every weekend. It's crazy. Yeah, certainly. So, and, uh, the, these discussions you've had, what are the, some of the, the highlights or some of the moments, uh, that, that you've had talking to these candidates so far? Goodness. Let's, uh, throw this back. <clears throat> so I always appreciate people that are approachable. Um, you know, feeling like you're just talking to somebody. The first time I met, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, he was at a it's celebration in downtown Des Moines. So it's celebrating uh, Asian heritage here uh, in the metro area. So he was there, you know, talking with voters, walked up with my camera. And I was like, hey, Mr. Ramaswamy, I'm a reporter with Channel 13. You know, love to talk with you for a couple of minutes. And he did right on the spot. Uh, uh, so I guess seeing the the personability of some of these candidates has been cool, um, has been enjoyable. See how they interact with people, too. Um, I've seen... Uh, Highlights, I guess. So there's stump speeches, right? So it's not like I'm listening to the, a lot of the same speeches over and over again when I go right. to an event for them. Uh, that's purposeful because they're talking to different people. They got to get their messaging out. So I look for what people are adding, what's new. Man, highlights, though. Put me on the spot here. I can't. Um, I've enjoyed it all. I don't know if I can give you a specific example. I just remember how cool I thought it was uh, that I'm talking to the or interviewing the former vice president on a show that I'm the news anchor for, or whether it be a Florida governor or whether it be a former governor of Arkansas, North Dakota, it's just been really cool to have uh, those candidates available and me having the access to them. Well, and I imagine too, the, the candidates are one thing, but the people directly, uh, you know, I, I've watched every debate so far and they love going to get the reaction of the people, the voters and, and all, and ultimately they're the ones that are going to decide this. What about your interactions with the people that are going to be caucusing and, and voting and making these decisions? What have what those been like and what are voters saying about this election? Uh, so I like to, I always say, continuing conversation from air to off air. So I always am talking to these voters, what they like, what they take away, what's connecting with them, what's not. Uh, so I guess the one thing I appreciate is how honest people are with me, too. I mean, I've had people come up and, and talk about... Uh, I need to be asking these questions in, in this way or this question wasn't fair. So I appreciate uh, them doing that. What I've learned with the voting base is uh, they're all very open. But I guess if you're forecasting, looking ahead, Trump supporters are by far the most uh, you know, locked down in their positions from the ones I've been talking to that, you know, they're convinced uh, that he's the man for the job and he's going to go beat Joe Biden. Um, and then when you get to the other candidates that are governors, former governors, UN ambassadors, et cetera, it's a little more open down there because, you know, they may not necessarily want Trump and they're trying to see who the best, you know, option is going to be. So they float around a little bit. And there are some people that float back and forth between uh, Trump as well. But like if you're just if you're, you know, looking at the forecast for the upcoming GOP primary election here in Iowa, it seems like the Trump voters are locked down and confident in their vote the most. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be that way. You know, a couple of years ago, I went and covered the uh, dim debate that was prior to the Iowa caucus there and, you know, saw that firsthand and, and, you know, from the debate to the spin room and all this, like, I, I don't know if you got the chance to go to a debate yet, but uh, when you do, what what are you looking forward to seeing and just being a part of, of, of being firsthand and in a debate setting and all that? I'm sure you've been to plenty of town halls and all that too. Like that, that's a, a sporting event in itself, it seems like. 
So you're making me jealous talking about a spin room. No, I've never been to a debate. I really badly want to go to see how the spin room operates. I mean, you've seen it. It's so many different campaigns or so many different spokespeople going oh, yeah. around talking about their candidate and how they perform this way or whatever. So I'm hoping that uh, there, there may be another debate added to the calendar, uh, you know, coming up here. Let, looking less and less likely. We'll see what happens. It'd have to be the caucuses are January 15th. So maybe they get something here. Uh, in Des Moines locally, I would for sure go to that and cover that. But this the spin room, the spin zone, whatever you want to call it, that's like hands down. I'm chomping at the bit to get in there. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and when you're doing these interviews with these candidates, like for me as a consumer, I'm always thinking about who is the candidate I want to have a beer with that I can have a conversation with. <laughs> like For you, it, it, it's yeah. kind of two-edged sword, right? Because yeah, you want to be conversational, but also these these people are trying to become president of the United States. You got to hold their feet to the fire. How do you balance the the two approaches? Uh, it's a learning curve for sure. Um, we started off, and we only have them when we have them live on the show. It'd be five to seven minute segments. When it's a pre recorded, might be ten to fifteen. It just kind of depends on what the candidate has time for. So people might hear five to seven minutes that don't do television, radio, and go that is forever. Oh my gosh, that is so much time. That is no time. When you got people that talk like Tyler and I, we we, we right. get paid to talk. Uh, so do these so do these candidates, right? Not paid, but they're they're running, uh, running and talking. Anyway, that time fills up quick, so it's it's been uh, tough having to like uh, cut candidates off in a in a polite way, or like as you said, hold their feet to a fire, asking a question that you know it might make them uncomfortable. But they're running for the office, and you know Iowans and voters have a right to know how they answer these difficult questions because that comes with the role. So I'm not even quite there yet. Uh, it's still trying to find that balance to work in uh, progress, Tyler. So when I have a final locked in answer for you of how to maintain that balance, I'll, I'll uh, join the podcast. Again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Zach, uh, I know you're a big sports guy, obviously. So we want to get to uh, you know, talk some, some football here with you uh, as well. Uh, Got to start off with, uh, with our Jayhawks, uh, eight and four go to a bowl game. How exciting was that to see this team uh, pull off what they did? They, they had a nice win not too far from you uh, in, in Iowa State here a couple weeks ago. Did you make it out to that game? I did not. I was working that day, and I was actually at a, at a political event that night. Go figure. That's what my weekends are full of this last year, political events. But uh, that was a great game. I actually was texting, uh, texting a Kansas grad uh, with us, Tyler, during uh, the K-State game. And uh, freshman's in, and we're like, oh, man, we thought it was going to be Bean, and uh, he was frustrated. And I was like, hey, just hear me out. If you win, you got a freshman in. If you lose, uh, if you win, you get a freshman in, you beat K-State. If you lose, you get a freshman in. So it's like a win-win. And he was like, right. I'm tired of these moral victories. Never has a seven-win season at that time been a moral victory for Kansas football. So it's been great uh, just reminding Kansas football fans to, like, these are the good times. We haven't seen this. An eight-win season is a massive deal. We wouldn't the entire time we were going to the school, Tyler. We weren't going to game days, tailgating. I mean, there was nothing to talk about for the football team. So I'm jealous. Oh yeah, the the thing that, that impressed me so much, so much, Zach, like seeing what what Lance Leipold did. Of it wasn't just about Jalen Daniels, and it wasn't even just about Jason Bean either. The way that they were able to continue to adapt and evolve. When injuries happen, this team never gave up, continued to compete. I mean, that, that's all you can ask for for a football fan is, you know, to see a team go out there and and give their best. And, I mean, that's what we saw from these guys. Like, Lance Leipold's done a terrific job and brought stability to this program. 
it's culture. I mean, when people and players go down that are crucial to the to what you think the success of uh, your season is going to be, and then you have people that are uh, next man up mentality, it, that really speaks to the culture of what uh, Leopold's building there at uh, the University of Kansas that hasn't been there for years, that has not been there. So that's been the really enjoyable thing to see is, uh, you know, they get knocked down and they come right back up and start swinging again. Well, and then this new chapter, this new Big 12 uh, with Oklahoma and Texas out. I don't know about you, Zach, but, you know, I get it. Utah and Arizona and you know, Arizona State, you got some good schools. It's going to be a good league going forward. But with the job Lance has done, the foundation is set, I don't see any reason why this Kansas program can't compete with everybody else in this new Big 12. And I'd use that as a reason for him staying at Kansas as well, too, if he's truly wanting to win – conference championships then it's looking like uh this is a nice little window of opportunity here iowa state was one if they beat kansas when they were up in names iowa state would be uh in the big 12 championship game too so just put that in perspective for people and that's what's going to be uh really interesting and that's the opportunity for a lot of uh these big 12 football schools is uh there's going to be uh a ton of opportunity for who's going to step up and be the perennials as the oklahomas and uh the texases of the world yeah, uh, you mentioned Texas. Uh, I'm sure you're excited to watch them uh, football this weekend. Horns down, absolutely. Um, with the uh, college football playoff on the line and everything, uh, championship week. Uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend, Matt? Uh, I'm looking forward to, so I'm an Iowa football fan, too. From Des Moines, so I was a Hawkeye growing up, Kansas Jayhawk now, too. So getting over to the Big Ten, I'm very excited to see this over-under a .5 for Iowa playing Michigan. And that is. <laughs> It's such a painful brand of football. How, how can you guys not get any offense going? Uh, you know, it's something that you, you're just like raised on, Tyler. It's been painful these last couple of years for sure. Like it hasn't been that bad, but it's the conservative play calling. I mean, goodness, I'm five in, you know, 2002. And I'm, why are we running the ball on third and eight? You know, I was, goodness, I was, I was raised in it. But uh, yeah, it'll be, you know, 40 to zero or whatever it will be. But 10 wins is a big deal for the Hawkeyes too. So hats off to them for, for losing players. Anyway, uh, championship football. This is when the, this is when the stars come out. And this is like, I watch NFL more than I do watch college football. I watch all of my favorite college football teams, but I watch every single one of these games coming up on championship weekend because uh, there's so much on the line, not in terms of finish finishing your season making the playoffs but for kids draft stock as well going into the nfl yeah who do you think is going to be the uh the four teams advancing the playoff here zach man okay so iowa wins 14 to 10 this weekend <laughs> man uh it's the cool thing is it's kind of a toss-up i don't even know if i could give you i know they're talking about they're they're looking at texas maybe if they're able to sneak in on, on the back half there too that might be uh a sneaky team um I don't know if I got I don't know if I got a set four that I'm ready just to throw out to you right now, too, other than other than the obvious. What about you, Tyler? Let's let's you know, it back on you. Let me hear your four. Go on the record with four here. So so my final four, I think Georgia wins. Yeah. I think Michigan wins. Those are your first two. Yeah. And then I, I got Oregon beating Washington to the rematch to redeem their one loss from earlier in the year. And I think Florida State squeaks one out against Louisville, and that'll be your final four. I think Texas will win this week, but I see them as the first team getting left out. Okay, okay, I'm a fan of that. I think, I think there's a chance Florida State might lose, so that would be a window where I could see Texas. I, I agree with everything else. Um, we'll see about Oregon, I guess, too, in the wa Washington. They're 
they they've been trending downwards too. Who did Florida State just play last weekend? I was I can't remember. Uh, Florida. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they barely uh, snuck it out uh, against them uh, there too. So that was impressive. But can you do that? How many times can you do that? You're just pushing or delaying the inevitable, in my opinion, because. Without uh, QB1, probably not a whole lot of hope of uh, winning the national championship. Yeah, yeah, no Jordan Travis. Yeah, it's a great point there. Uh, Fish, uh, how are you feeling about what uh, what Bill and the guys got cooked up there uh, on the basketball side? No, we got an exciting game coming up Friday against uh, UConn here. Yeah, I saw a picture of uh, some Kansas kids camping this morning, too, uh, in Allen Fieldhouse. So that was I was cool. never a big camper. Did you do that much? I did that freshman year for our fraternity. So our fraternity okay. would have freshmen go every single year that way. You know, it, you do it one year and then the whole house is covered for for your next three years. Um, so I did have early mornings like that all freshman year. And it was fun. I mean, people would bring their pillows there, fall asleep, pass out in the stands. Um, it was stressful to set up all the schedules. But uh, going back to uh, the Maui Invitational, you know, Bill, just reading him and stuff, you can kind of tell what he's thinking. Five minutes left in that game. They just got it back down from 15 to 13. Uh, and then it went back up to 15 again, Marquette's away. And you just – Bill's sitting down. You see his face. His energy's low. It's like, yep, Bill knows we're not able to win this one. Uh, so I just thought they're going to they're gonna have a lot of running to do uh, when they get back into, into Lawrence. But it's exciting, man. I mean, this is going to be a team that's going to be in the top five all year long. This is another one of these teams, you know, you, you have some every so often. Goodness, it'd be the – the 2020 COVID year, I mean, they were number one uh, in both polls at the end of that year. It's just one of those Bill Self teams that you have the coach, but then this is one of his best rosters, too, that he's had in his tenure. So I'm really excited. Oh, I, I, yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, watching Hunter Dickinson play, I don't think I've ever seen a big man like that offensively at KU ever. I mean, people are going to bring up Embiid, but he was a freshman. It was very raw and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean – Dickinson just looks like a complete player. He might be the shooter too, because that's the one thing you you notice when you watch this Kansas team. It's like who's that who's that guard or who's that forward that's going to stick out and, and really get the job done there at three point. It might end up being Dickinson. It might end up being the five. Uh, he's got a really fluid shot, and it's uh it's it's just cool to see him work in Bill's system because it thrives with a big man that's uh, able to put up points on a consistent basis. Udoka, in a different way, Udoka wasn't as skilled with dribbling or, or shooting or moves on the post, but I called him the plunger because he would just get crap through. He would just get it going. If you didn't score in three possessions, feed it to Dickinson and get the offense going again. Those types of players are critical when it gets to March Madness and you're down you know, 11 and you got to call a timeout coming out of the break. Who do I go to? That's the guy you go to. Yeah, yeah, it makes a great point. Uh, Fish, let's uh, talk some NFL with uh, I know you're a big Vikings guy. What the hell happened on Monday <laughs> night? The uh, the Josh Dobbs experience uh, uh, came to a crashing halt there. The pastor not let me down. Um, it was a wild ride. Uh, turnovers has always been Josh Dobbs thing. So I was just, you know, it's you're, you're playing with um, house of money, right? When Kirk Cousins goes down, it's like, Okay, let's see, get Dobbs in here. He wins that Falcons game uh, when he gets put in, not being the starter in that game. So it's like, let's just ride this out. Let's see what happens. He's been putting the ball on the ground consistently in every game, even though he started off two and one. But, man, that uh, was pitiful. The defense looks great, too. That's what uh, is super unfortunate with Kirk being out. But I'm officially over the pastronaut. I am, I am, <laughs> I am sold 
on Josh Dobbs that he's not the guy. I mean, Tyler, being a Vikings fan is crazy, dude. Like you get after these two games, there's people talking about, do we sign Josh Dobbs to a long-term extension, you know, after this season is right. Kirk Cousins? And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, the I thought the most accurate comparison was uh, like best case scenario, he could be what Case Keenum was a couple years ago. Of, of uh, But that to me, I, I think would be his absolute ceiling. Yeah, that would be it. And uh, actually, I was hoping his ceiling would be a step higher than Case Keenum, which would be the Nick Foles of that year when they went on to win the Super Bowl. Same situation, beating Case Keenum. I was hoping for that, um, but you just – when you have a quarterback that uh, puts the ball on the ground too many times when he's fumbling, and I know there was a lot of tips on Monday Night Football, not everything's on him. He loves to try to give the defense opportunities to jump on that ball – that's not going to happen. Nick Foles didn't lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl by throwing 50-50 balls everywhere on a, like a slant route, too. I don't know how a slant route is turns out being a 50-50 ball, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. Zach Fisher, yeah. I guess, here on the program this week. Uh, Fish, you know, that Vikings team, they, they got some questions after this season to figure out, whether it's Cousins, Daniel Hunter, who's having a career season. I mean – there there's some tough things to figure out for a team that is so close, but yet still so far. That is the perfect description for the Minnesota Vikings just consistently. Like you're not, you're not bad enough to tank, but you're not good enough to go all the way. So you're stuck in the middle. Uh, got a lot to figure out. Um, when Kirk Cousins was first signed, uh, not a huge fan. He's won me over. I would like to get him back if it'd be advantageous to us to get him for cheap coming off the Achilles. I think it's going to be a little cheaper. Um, you got the Justin Jefferson contract that you got to look at, figure out how that's going to play into the future. Christian Darisaw, their left tackle, he's going to be the best. He's going to be the future Trent Williams. Just put that out there. I mean, this dude is a monster. If you hadn't heard of him yet, uh, he's crazy. Um, they just paid TJ and then uh, Daniel Hunter just getting the bag this year, 20 million. So you can't pay everybody. You're seeing that with the Chiefs, obviously, having to let Tyreek go in that trade. Um, I'm just curious to see how they they uh, piece it all together. It's a GM that will be heading into his third offseason. And we haven't seen a whole lot of crazy moves from him yet um, in terms of how he really wants to build these core pieces of the roster, uh, particularly quarterback. So I'm really curious to, to see what he's evaluating, what he's seeing in his coach and how his coach is co- uh, coaching these, these backup quarterbacks and, and what he's learned from it. Uh, you and I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, not too far from, from Kansas city with the chiefs. So I know you're keeping tabs on them and everything like that. That's a team that that's good, but hasn't figured everything out yet. And I know they're, they're not, they're not bad. You know, they're still tied for the best record in the AFC, Fish, I wonder, are the Chiefs going to figure it out, or is this kind of who they are, you think? Isn't that what's we, – we, I feel like we have this conversation every year, though, with the Chiefs in, in yeah. some type of respect, and that's the most annoying thing about them is that they always seem to figure it out, too, whether it's Spagnolia figuring it out on the defensive side, you know, their middle of the pack all the way through the season, and then playoffs hit, and then they're, they're peaking in top 10 stats or what would be during the regular season. Um, so I would say, yes, they're going to figure it out. Uh, you do have a little concern of every year goes by. Travis Kelsey's getting a little older. Uh, you're still looking for weapons to be developed by Patrick Mahomes or a new wide receiver weapon to come in. So those would be a little bit of the concerns, but I kind of had that same thought last year with a lack of weapons. Tyreek's gone. You still have Kelsey. This might be a influx year and, and they win the Super Bowl because of the, the guy uh, under center. So 
it feels like they're not kind of as good as they have been in years past, but I still think they're going to be able to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think they'll figure it out eventually, but there might be still some more growing pains uh, along the way. Uh, the NFC side with uh, the Niners and the Eagles seem to be those two, two top two teams. They play head to head this weekend. What do you think of uh, that matchup in uh, those two in the NFC here? You got to go watch uh, Oklahoma Jalen Hurts versus Iowa State Brock Purdy in a yeah. shootout up in Ames years ago. I mean, that was a heck of a college football game. So hoping we get something of that. The Eagles talking about a team Vikings played them week two. They're, it's like, hey, this is not the same team that was in the Super Bowl. They've caught fire. They've caught it quick. Uh, playing the Bills last week and those games where you come back when you're down by multiple scores says a lot about good teams. And since they were able to do that, it says a lot about Jalen Hurts and, and the Eagles and, and company. Um, and then the 49ers, it'll be interesting to see. This will be a very important game for them. Obviously, they have a couple bad losses this year that are uh, stereotypical, you know, 49ers losses during the regular season. They barely they barely lose like that. Um, but this would be a game that if it was a playoff game, they'd probably lose. So, even though they may have a worse regular season record than they usually do, are they finally able to beat these best of the teams in the conferences too? Um, so that'll be interesting. And Brock Purdy has been playing some good football after a couple of weeks of uh, not playing some good football. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that they, they seem to be the cream of cop, crop of the NFC, but I gotta tell you, as much as I hate to admit it, Zach, the Cowboys have caught my attention the way they're playing as of late. Like I, I'm afraid to buy in because I've seen what happens in January with that team over and over again, but something feels different based on the way they played the last few weeks here. Something's felt different, obviously, with the defense from week one. I mean, they were punching people in the mouth week one, but credit to Dak, too. I mean, what's Tony Pollard done this year that's been electric? CD makes really good plays, too. It's not taking anything away from CD at all. Jake Ferguson, new starting tight end for him. Dalton Schultz left, too. The way Dak's been, like, commanding the offense uh, and been producing has been super impressive. He's a guy that I might have a little more respect for since he's kind of thrown in that Kirk Cousins category, you know, like game manager, can't ever win the big one. But this year it looks like he's uh, has been um, elevating his game up. I don't know if it's a, from a mental standpoint, but he's just facilitating the ball exactly how they need him to. You just need to get a couple of touchdowns every game. Not every not every drive or defense will have your back. Uh, just just punch the ball on a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Uh Fish, with as much as uh, Aaron Rodgers tortured you so many years there in uh, Green Bay, I know you mentioned you want Cousins back next year, but have you given thought of Rodgers after he recovers from this Achilles continuing on the Brett Favre path, making his way back to Minnesota? That's Time's a flat circle, I guess, right? Doing the <laughs> Brett, Favre, uh, Brett Favre route uh, to, to Minneapolis, too. Hey, it could happen. Not, not going to rule it out. I would welcome it. That would be fun. I mean, my brother's a Packers fan, so we could just talk about that for a year. I mean, that would be great. Uh, right, I mean, really, Rodgers looks like he's he has lost a, a step or two or five. Uh, you watched him last year with Green Bay. I, we didn't see him this year, obviously, besides two snaps. Uh, so I'm just curious uh, as to what he actually looks like when he comes back. Because, you know, 2022, coming off two MVPs, Aaron, looks like he aged like five years going to that next season. I still can't believe that he's trying to make a comeback this year, this Achilles, that he opened up his practice window this week. Yeah, 21 days now. I mean, that's insane. Uh, and what, how many more games do they need to lose to be, like, ruled out? Like, that's in this 21-day window, I would assume. They're four and seven right now. Right. So that's there's a chance that they lose two in a row. Aaron's like, 
I'm not coming back. And then he just doesn't, you know, come back for the season. Um, that's, that's what he should do. But I guess to put it, articulate it best with Aaron getting old with the Packers in his last season is Aaron Rodgers, whenever he'd roll out of the pocket as a Vikings fan, you knew something bad was about to happen because he's going to make something special happen. Um, that last year, he'd roll out of the pocket, wasn't the same guy, couldn't throw on the run like he could. Um, so that's just the best way to 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 put it into an image for people. Yeah. To understand. Uh, last question. We'll, uh, we'll end the NFL on, on this. Uh, if you had to pick right now, as we're recording this here, you know, November 29th, still a long ways to go. How do you think ultimately everything plays out? Who, who ends up in the Super Bowl and who wins it all? You think? Uh, this season is, um, in flux, but it seems like every season is. So, uh, that's what I love about the NFL. Like everybody has a shot, man. I was going to say Cincinnati before the Joe Burrow injury. They were they were catching up. They were picking fire, uh, catching fire rather from the beginning of the season. Got to say Chiefs on the AFC side. We're going to go with the Chiefs. I think they're going to figure it out. Uh, you know, prove me wrong type thing until you don't right. do it. And then it sounds crazy enough, um, but am I going to predict a rematch? I guess we're going to do it. The Eagles too. I just I don't see another team that's going to take it away out of this moment right now. I would say. Uh, Eagles and uh, Chiefs, I guess, Tyler. I don't know. Okay. That's lame. Okay. Uh, Fish, where's the dog at? Did you see him right here? Hold on. Here's... Okay, let's bring you over. He oh, was yeah. right here, so I thought he was going to be right there on this corner, but he is just on his little uh, setup right here. Oh, you want to say hi? Bo, right here. There you go. Oh, there he is. Hey, right by the tree. He's got he's set up by the window, so he just uh, he's got to pay rent somehow. So he just watches over my little corner of downtown Des Moines. He's already in the holiday spirit. Yes, yeah, he's ready to go. Yeah, he's a Christmas dog. He uh, he loves the holidays, and his uh, my parents, so his grandparents, we'll call them. They uh, get him all these Christmas toys and stuff. So he's a big fan of this time of year. <laughs> I love it, uh, Bo. Good boy. I'm looking forward to meeting Bo too. Uh, you yeah. know what I so. Fish, uh, where can people follow you and see uh, all the stuff you're doing on the campaign trail, man? We're Zachary C. Fisher on Instagram, uh, Zach Fisher News on X or Twitter.com. Can't call it X.com. I realized that the other day. They'll never be able to switch that, uh, obvious reason. Uh, and goodness, that's about it. Those two, uh, give me a follow there. WHO 13 News, we're live on today in Iowa, Saturday, Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. Uh, on a weekend. So if you're in central Iowa, Turn on the uh, NBC affiliate, Channel 13, and see me there. Watch online. Uh, if there you're you not. go. WHO13.com, another one. Good call. Yes. Zach, uh, thanks for the time, man. Glad you're doing great. Looking forward to seeing you here next summer, and we'll uh, talk in down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, thanks for having me, Tyler. Appreciate it, man. Final segment before we wrap up today's show. It is our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges is back with us, standing by with uh, – an array of storylines to get to this week. Tom, usually there can only be one, but every once in a while, it's too good. We had to make an exception. Yeah, there's got to be there's got to be two this week. I think it originally it was going to be three, but I think I misplaced the third story. But great lineup, um, two great stories, one that has to do with sex and the other one that has to do with football. So, uh Two favorite great stories on the docket here. Um, Jones, I believe last week we talked about 
someone oh that was the well i think this is the other one but we'll just mention it because i don't know for sure i can't remember uh last week we mentioned i believe someone pooping in line in disney world or disneyland waiting on the ride someone this week got in the it's a small world after all ride and got completely naked 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 in the ride and obviously was eventually arrested but there's a video of it. Uh, obviously, it blurs out the parts you wouldn't want to see. Um, but and he climbs like through all the little people in the fucking ride and like goes off some and like disappears in the back somewhere. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I would want to explore. I, I've been on that ride. It's been several several years since I was in eighth grade, but. I've been on that ride. That's somewhere I would not want to be in the dark with that song playing. But with that being said, Jones, uh, two places we're going. The first one, we're going to Texas. Uh, And it's funny because the town that we're going to in Texas is called Godly. And this story is not very godly. Uh, The other one will be in Orlando. um, But we'll get to Godly, Texas first. This comes from Fox 4. Okay, DFW, somewhere probably closer to you than me, Jones. Uh, She's on the hunt. uh, Fox 4, working for you. So um, is Godly, Texas, close to you? I believe so, yes. Well, you're in luck because uh, you you might be able to hire somebody for the holidays here. Fox 4, works for you, KDFW. Reads, this is two days ago, convicted prostitute, current current escort, removed from godly ISD groups, including council overseeing sex ed. Godly Texas, a woman tasked with helping decide sexual education curriculum in godly ISD has been removed from multiple positions within the district because she's a convicted prostitute. A Fox 4 investigation also found she is advertising herself online as an escort. Hell yeah. The discovery raises concerns about background checks in the district across the state. We had no idea what was going on in her personal life. She was always very friendly and personable. Well, you know, I hope uh, I hope an escort would be both friendly and personable. Uh, two very good traits to have. Uh, in that profession, she couldn't be, you don't want to want her to be rude. Um, a convicted prostitute actively advertising as an escort. Isn't that the same thing? I think so. A convicted prostitute actively advertising it as an escort. Some sex workers would say, oh, well, it's not the same thing. Escort, you can just go on dates, like have a sugar daddy and go on dates. I call bullshit. If you're paying some woman an upwards of five hundred, six, seven, eight, nine thousand dollars or more just to go out to a party with you and you you know you're paying her for her time or whatever to go on a date with your lousy ass and you don't smash, well, you are a loser to begin with, and now you're a loser without a thousand dollars. So anyway, she was an escort online. She was also serving on a council that recommends appropriate grade levels and methods for human sexuality instruction within Godly ISD. 
So here's the thing, Jones. When you first told me about the story, I thought she was a sex ed teacher. She just sounds like she's on the council of like, yeah, teach these kids how to suck a dick. Like, t- teach these kids how to eat a pussy or something like that. I thought she was like a sex ed teacher. Just sounds like she's on the council. She's not teaching kids from what I'm reading. Okay. Um, they go on to say, I don't see any committee wanting that to be the standard for the school district, says Mary Lowe with the nonprofit group Families Engaged for Effective Education. School health advisory councils or SHACs are required by Texas law. SHACs recommend to school boards a wide range of health education protocols for students, including appropriate grade level and curriculum for instruction regarding sex trafficking. I would not want children to be subject to those type of people. That is fair. From the article, though, it makes her sound like she's just on like a council that is at like a little building on the side that's like, okay, yeah, here's a curriculum. Here's what I suggest. Da, 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 da. Doesn't sound like she's teaching students. Uh, article goes on this escort in question. Ashley Ketcherside. Well, I, <laughs> I could say something. I'm not going to say it. No. <laughs> Catcher, what are you catching? Uh, like, is shown in godly eyes the YouTube video at the first meeting of the H. SHACs of the school year in October. She listed a committee. She's listed as a committee member. Members need to be appointed by the school board to serve, according to a district spokesperson. The spokesperson says Ketcherside's family entered the district this year. Ketcherside was also selected by Superintendent Rich Deer to the Long Range Facility Planning Committee. She was a volunteer on the Family and Community Engagement Committee, PTO and Godly Athletic Booster Club. I wonder what she's boosting. Uh, um, She's donating services to the boosters. Um, Let's see. Here we go. This is the nitty-gritty. This is I love this reporting. A LexisNexis public record search reveals one of her email addresses matches the same email address on escort sites for Lola Berea. I Googled her email address, and that's how I was able to find escort services, said Lane. Lola Bria images are found on public websites. Some images are too risque to use in our report. I'll do some further researching later, it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) One, she's in a pair of red cowgirl boots and a Dallas Stars jersey. Go Stars. Dallas. Tarrant County Court documents obtained by Fox 4 reveal Ashley Ketcherside, whose maiden name is Ashley Villalobos, was found guilty of prostitution in 2012 and 2016. And Affick claims she's also known as Lola Brea. One escort site says Lola Brea was active last month. Lola Brea has client reviews this year and reviews date back a decade. Well, okay, in some other news, escort sites are legal in Texas. What? You can't gamble, but you can fuck? <laughs> All right. That just changed um, dumb. Yeah. Hello? I said that just changed the game for Tom. Oh, yeah. You know, it might have. Well, no, not really. I would never. <laughs> um... 
and we've we've talked about the OnlyFans things before. I would I would never even you would never get a dime of my money doing that. I'd rather I I would rather feed a hundred into a slot machine than feed something else to one of those girls. Uh, you'd never you'd never catch me doing it. Um, and if you did, somebody else probably paid for it, and I've had too much to drink. It's probably what would end up happening. But it goes on to say they here here's your definition: escorts charge for charge for their companionship and time. However, if sex is exchanged for money, it's prostitution. Okay, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah, well, you what know, what are we gonna do? If uh, I'm trying to think of something to compare, yeah, it's legal to carry your gun in Texas, but if I shoot somebody, it's murder. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, okay. It's illegal to it's legal to escort here, but by God, if you suck a dick, then you're going to jail. Yeah, right. That's such a loophole. That's a that's a freaking that's Senator Ted loophole right there. Ah, oh, golly, these people. I I need to find out where this district's at. Maybe we'll call Lola. L O L A Lola. And maybe we should get her on the show. I wonder I how much I could bear. I bet her uh, her phone calls have gone up a bit lately. I wonder if she's still out there. I'm going to search her out, Jones, for research purposes only. Right, for the content. I, I want to know pay how many... Bucks to do an interview on this show, I'll pay her 50 bucks. I wonder... I want to know how many of the the dads uh, of the the kids at the school started reaching out. I mean, don't get me wrong. I looked at her. Uh, she's. I mean, I just saw the pictures on the in the Dallas Stars jersey. She's a good. She's a looker for sure. Uh, you know, we mentioned before we did this story that she teaches or knows about sex ed curriculum, so she knows what she's doing. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, and if her sex education's high. She's probably clean. Uh, you don't find that with a lot of, you know, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't, I won't go as far to say you don't find that with a lot of them because I don't know, but I, I'm guessing you would have to somewhat stay clean to keep business good. I don't, you know, I've never delved into that, to that area before. So I wouldn't know, but I'm, I swear to God, I'm going to look her up. And if I can book her on this show for next week for 50 bucks, we'll interview her next week on Tom Fullery. Uh, that's going to do it for Lola Brea. Now, Jones, there's another one that involves football. I don't know if it's equally as ridiculous, uh, but Jones, I'm rooting for Oklahoma State if they don't beat Texas to go to the Alamo Bowl. One, it benefits me because that's right down the road from where I'm at, and I would probably end up there. There is another bowl that Oklahoma State has been projected to go to. And I don't want I, – I would rather not see the coach of my favorite football team uh, eating an edible mascot. And that bowl would be the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Were you already humiliated enough by Mike Gundy getting uh, Cheez-Its poured on him? No, I think that was fine. I would rather cheese it than mayo, right? Oh, that's yeah, that's the worst of them all. I don't like mayonnaise anyway. If someone poured a gallon, a five-gallon bucket of mayonnaise over the back of me, that'd be fighting. We'd fight. 
Well, then when that happened to Shane Beamer, he got hit in the head with the bucket as well. Yeah, that'd be the worst. So he had to go you know, to protocol after that. Yeah. Oh, really? He went to concussion protocol? Not really. No. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh, how hard did they hit him? Um, Jones, pop tar bowl. Whoever's going to be in it, I think it is a a Big Twelve team uh, versus. I'm trying to see maybe ACC. It's the ACC, I believe. Yes. Okay, so I know they. I saw like Notre Dame in there, and I guess they're like honorary ACC. So that's that makes sense. Sounds like it's going to be either OSU or K State. Uh, For uh, K State's never played in Orlando, so I'm really hoping the Purple Cats go eat like the wild berry pop tart. But for those of you that don't know, the Pop Tarts Bowl, Pop Tarts will unwrap the first ever edible mascot at the 2023 Pop-Tarts Bowl. I believe this bowl took over the Cheez-Its Bowl, which, uh, like Jones and I were mentioning, did it? It uh, it did, yes, uh, which used to be the Russell Athletic Bowl, yeah. And they never, they never had an edible Russell Athletic for, you know, for it being, you know, Nobody named Russell and nobody named Athletic were getting eaten. Yeah, but eating these shoes, no. The the yeah, nobody wants to wear Russell Athletic gear anyway. So maybe only Georgia Tech. Um, that being said, the Cheez-Its Bowl, Oklahoma State already played in one versus Miami. Mike Gundy got doused in Cheez-Its. I don't know if he even eat. You know, I don't know if he, you know, got him a handful and snacked on them or not. Cheez-Its are delicious. To yeah. be fair, the right Pop-Tart is not bad. I don't mind a Pop-Tart. I would eat one. I don't think I've bought Pop-Tarts in a long time, but they're not bad. Regardless, Pop-Tarts, if you remember, Jones, and I, I think you're old enough here, Pop-Tarts used to have these crazy commercials where it was like the cartoon Pop-Tart running around and then a human grabbing them up and like throwing them in the toaster. And the human would like then like eat them, and they're like ah, pop tarts or whatever. <laughs> they had, they had some outlandish, stupid commercials back in like probably oh seven, oh eight, oh nine. Crazy, stupid pop tart commercials. Um, now they're like, you know what? We're gonna get back in the in the game. Um, pop tarts haven't been in the news for a while. Makes me think they're like money laundering here, but. They decide to make an edible mascot, Jones. I'm very interested how this works. I just pulled up the first article from, it comes from PR Newswire. The winning team of the upcoming Pop-Tarts Bowl will go home with far more than just bragging rights. They can also expect a belly full of the first ever edible mascot. Because when Pop-Tarts tackles college football, no rituals are safe. For 60 years, Pop-Tarts has sacrificed everything in the name of crazy good flavor. So why wouldn't that include our beloved football mascot too, says Heidi Ray, Senior Director of Marketing at Pop-Tarts. Since we announced our title sponsorship of the Pop-Tarts Bowl, fans have been speculating on the larger-than-live game day experiences we will be tackling, and this is the first of many traditions that fans can expect Pop-Tarts to upend on game day. 
Pop-Tarts recently unveiled a new creative direction featuring agents of crazy good. That was like the tagline on those stupid-ass commercials back in the day. Crazy good is what they would say. And I was like, this is stupid as hell. Um, an ingenious... This is so biased. An ingenious crew that come fully frosted and ready to challenge expectations for where the brand can show up next. All the while rallying for a chance to be fans next snack. The Pop-Tarts mascot is an in-real-life manifestation of this campaign. It will run around the stadium interacting with fans, and when the final whistle blows, transform into a game-winning snack for the victors, just like in our most recent advertisement. Stay tuned next week following the bowl matchup announcement for the additional crazy good moments Pop-Tart has in store for the first-ever Pop-Tarts from concessions and FanFest and entertainment on the field. 2023 Pop-Tarts Bowl airs live on ESPN Thursday, December 28th at 5.45 Eastern Time. Postseason showdown will unfold as representatives from the ACC and the Big 12 Conference face off at the Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Jones, they don't mention what flavor it's going to be. The shittiest Pop-Tart that I ever tried was the chocolate chip one. There was no frosting on it. It was just a stale ass pastry bread. It was it was akin to the and I am not a fan of these whatsoever. The chocolate chip cookie cakes. Not a fan of that shit. Yeah. That was pretty much that in a stale ass Pop Tart. The best one that I had, probably the double chocolate fudge. Or I can rock with the brown sugar cinnamon. Yeah. I can rock with those two. There was one that was like a chocolate with a white frosting with like a, maybe like a white uh, filling in, in between. That one wasn't bad. Not a fan of the strawberry. Definitely not a fan of the wild berry. Jones, do you have a favorite or least favorite Pop-Tart? Oh, for me, it's the strawberry Pop-Tart. That's the winner. You like, you like the strawberry ones. I love the strawberry Pop-Tart. That's my favorite. Um, you know, when's the last time you had one? Oh gosh, it's probably been years since I've had a pop dart. See, where do they come from? They're money laundering. Yeah, I when I was when I was in college, I I ate a lot of pop tarts. I would, um, so at the radio station, we <sighs> had a toaster in the kitchen, and when I was doing the morning show. I would pack some Pop-Tarts with me to take to work, and I'd eat that during commercial breaks as my breakfast. KLWN, sponsored by Pop-Tarts. Crazy good. (laughs) KLWN depends on it after you eat that Pop-Tart. Depends on the Pop-Tart. So that's crazy. Man. are you going to go out and buy Pop-Tarts this weekend? I might have to. It what actually, if you ended up in the Pop-Tart Bowl? You know, I'd be a little bit disappointed because I want them to play close to here so I can go. Would uh, you go? Yeah, I'd assume if they ended up in the Texas Bowl, you'd have to go. Yeah, if they were in the Texas Bowl or the Alamo Bowl, yeah, I'd go. Uh, would you go to Liberty Bowl? That's pretty low for Kansas. Yeah, um, I did that last year. I probably wouldn't do it two years in a row. Uh, yeah, fair. But 
Yeah, it'd be it'd be a lot of fun, you know. I, I didn't I'm, see the Music City Bowl on the docket. Is the no, Nashville that's, one? That's that's uh that's SEC and ACC. Well, that's too bad because that would be a fun location. The other thing about us, like taking all those Pac-12 members, is we're about to take their bowl games too. So you're saying we might have a Rose Bowl? Well, the Rose Bowl is going to be permanently in the playoff after next year. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I, get, I forget about that. We could have the Holiday Bowl. The the uh, we could have the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. The Vegas Bowl. There's a lot of good bowls they have. I don't know. I'd fly out for an Oklahoma State Ve- or uh, L.A. Bowl. Well, I it, think it, I would. It's actually not even the uh, Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl anymore. Now it's the L.A. Bowl hosted by Gronk. To get a chance to party with Gronk, I probably would. They should have one in Tempe, and that should be the Gronk Bowl. I don't, you know, that's, they do have one. It's it. That's the guaranteed rate bowl. But it's not. It's not Gronk. Gronk doesn't yeah, have anything to do with it. No, um, the Gronk Bowl sounds much better than the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, too. I mean, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's in New York. Why is he even? Why even in L.A.? That's halfway. That's all the way across the country. No, like, Jimmy Kimmel's in L.A. Yeah, but he's more like it doesn't. He's not synonymous with L.A. Sure. Like, make it the. Make it the fucking Snoop Dogg 420 Bowl and sign me up. Nah, 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 nah. The yeah, yeah, can you imagine the Snoop Dogg 420 Bowl? Nah, nah, nah. Oh, that'd be great. Can you imagine the 420 Bowl sponsored by, you know, Snoop Dogg and, uh, <laughs> oh, what's her name? Oh, went to jail, does the home goods, the home cooking. Martha Stewart. Oh, Martha Stewart, yes. Yeah, Snoop Dogg, Martha Stewart Bowl, or, you know, make it like a, what's, I guess there's a, the Snoop Dogg Corona commercial. Make, like, put one in Baja, California, and make it like the Snoop Dogg Corona Bowl or something, or even the L.A. Bowl, the, the 420 Bowl, and the two hosts of it are Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson. I'm down. Tom, we got to go. Big thanks to Zach Fisher for joining us. Uh, You, the listener, as well, for stopping by. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify. Hopefully, we're in your wrapped. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit us up on uh, X at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges. Twitter, uh, see, I'm already saying Twitter still. Uh, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live. It's Thomas Jones underscore report. Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live. Facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew, Tyler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of Jones Support. Thanks for joining us.